Welcome everyone to 121 in Flux. I am Peter and joining me on this special edition. <laughs> David has Hi chosen to to graces with his appearance. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here, Pete. Thanks for having me. Okay, I feel like we have to give context and like explain why this is, is this, happening. Is this not a normal thing for you? Reviewing the Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy? No. No, oh, okay. nothing about this is normal. Uh, I mean, I don't usually review three movies in one episode for a start. Fair. That, that's a regular number one. Two is, why did I watch the Fifty Shades of Grey movies? <laughs> okay, so for people who follow the live streams, they'll, they'll know that there's sometimes goals to watch bad movies. And yes. there was a goal for the first one several several months ago then it was mm -hmm. a goal for the second one and then for the third goal there was kind of an added stipulation that uh not only would i have to watch the third movie that i would review it uh, and david for some reason volunteered for some <laughs> reason this is the highlight of my week <laughs> to be the kidding me <laughs> the co-pilot if you will and that, that that weird tiny little plane they go flying in the first movie the uh, glider. Yeah. <laughs> um, David is the co-pilot and the little glider of this review. So this is this is what we're doing. So this is going to be a review of the Fifty Shades movie trilogy. Uh, sadly, I have seen the first two of these twice now. <laughs> same here, because of the exact same reasons as you. <laughs> yes, because we already I already did them on the stream months ago, and then I, I had mm -hmm. to watch them again because it had been too long. I was going to remember right. things, and then I watched the third movie for this. So. Yeah, honestly, I went into rewatching these and I completely forgot Mr. Gray's first name. Like, I was like, ah, it's something, ah, whatever. I think it's Christian? It's Christian. It's Christian but, and Anastasia. But I, I, if you'd asked me, like, before we watched them, I would have sworn it was Sebastian. I would have sworn. I mean, yeah, I don't know where, the, that's, that's flipping something in my head too, but I don't know why. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't know where it comes from, but I, I would, I could have sworn it was Sebastian. Um, background for what this is, uh, obviously it's based on a series of books, mm -hmm. uh, same titles of the movies, I believe, Fifty Shades of Grey, Fifty Shades Darker, and Fifty Shades Freed. Yes. The books started, originally, before there were books, they were actually fan fiction based on Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really, I mean, I don't want to skip ahead too much, but it's super obvious in the first movie that mm. that's what it is, and then it just kind of tapers I, off from there. Well, I, I think it probably makes sense that only the, the first book or some of the first book was written as Twilight fanfiction. I assume that the later stuff, when it got popular as its own thing, and was mm. going to be, and then it was going to be turned into a books, and they had to sell it without copyright issues. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming the later stuff was written without it tying into Twilight's Origin. I actually did some research on that, oh, go on. and I know the exact point, and I can point exactly where when we get to it, that the author knew that it was going to become a book series, like that it was going to be published. Right, okay. So, it's later than you think. Oh, really? Is it in the first mm -hmm. movie? No, actually. Is it in the Not second? Not even close. Is it's it... in the, it's in, it is in, I'll just straight up say it, it is the third act of the third movie, where the they third... just wrap up everything. The third movie?! Yep. It was the, the exact point was where um, she gets the phone call for the hostage situation. 
<laughs> don't, don't, don't just say situation. I'm still laughing at that. I was, do, do you know what? I, I watching the third movie for the first time today is that I was just painfully bored throughout mm-hmm. the vast majority of it. But there's yeah. a moment where very suddenly there's a hostage situation where I just burst out <laughs> laughing because, wait, what are they doing? Why is there a hostage situation in this movie all of a sudden? Exactly. I mean, I don't want to jump straight to the third movie, but that was honestly my thoughts of two straight movies of like, all right, I guess, sure, fine, whatever. And then all of a sudden it's like, you better bring me $5 million in two hours or I swear to God, I'm going to slit this throat. And it's like, what is going on? Am I, did I change the channel? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, I'll just say there's going to be spoilers. We don't care about spoiling this trash. Um, We'll get into what it is and so on and so on. So, yeah, it it was fan fiction based on Twilight, and it's very much, uh, you know, this this dominant man with this, this meek woman... Who, and he's he's filthy rich. He's like this rich bachelor who's like 27 years old. He's a billionaire and he's perfect. But he's also into kinky shit. He's, he's got a playroom. Mm. He likes to spank and, you know, a bit of sexual torture, all that sort of stuff. Right? right. That, that's what he's into. And, you know, Twilight was already like... And <laughs> this is very fresh in my mind because I also watched the third Twilight movie this week for a, another reason. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> because he wanted to obviously no, no, it wasn't that it definitely wasn't that <laughs> uh, and twilight does have this problem where you can kind of feel that the writer is writing it because they have this fantasy and bella is a character to just be them in this situation and one of the things i was really feeling in that third movie is that there's never really an arc to bella it's just she wants this thing she keeps wanting the thing and it's going to keep going until everyone gives in and gives her the thing and fantasy fulfilled and it's not really a good story because of that right regardless of well not you agree with the fantasy you're into it and that's your thing or whatever um i i I feel like you know watching this like all throughout all three movies there's just moments where it's like she's dazzled like even in the third there's a moment in the third movie after they've got married where he put it's they've left the wedding and they pull up on a runway next to a private jet and she looks at it and goes you own that and i'm like anastasia why are you still surprised at this point here's the thing i have so many problems with that marriage like at every point of it like that okay so maybe like two scenes later from that they have this whole scene that is brought up and dropped as quickly as it's brought up but it's will she take christian's last name oh yes of course. these are things that you discuss well before you get married oh like having kids for example make which up. is another scene that they bring <laughs> up <laughs> like it's it's so incredible to me that half the conversations they have and i actually this led to a bit of research i did in the books at least they have like dates ascribed to things oh they have actual literal like how long time has passed the amount of time between the engagement at the end of the second movie to the marriage that opens the third movie is quite literally six weeks (laughs) Joe, joe is so funny about this is that the conversation about kids as well it's like it's clearly a subject that has never even been slightly touched before now no Right? Not at all. Her reaction to him, because you know she she cracks a joke about being pregnant, right? And she's not even mm-hmm. like, she's not even trying to like put a feeler or anything. She just cracks a dumb joke while she's making dinner or while they're having dinner, mm-hmm. and 
he has this look of horror in his eyes and she's like wait you look you look like you just were ready to throw up there do you not want to have kids and i'm like did this what you didn't ask this before you got married this seems like a very important subject to talk about i have a feeling that they just like they had the engagement and then all of a sudden christian was just out of the country for like six weeks and then he came back and it's like all right time to get married and they just did it and then all of a sudden it's like oh right we had a bunch of plots going on in our lives what happened to that jack hyde guy uh, oh we'll get to we'll get to him don't worry we'll get to those plots oh, i have a God. lot of thoughts on the plots uh, but the, the I, I mean the core relationship between these two characters right which is the entire premise of this entire story because yes. there isn't really much much of like because especially in the sequels i really felt this in the sequels because the first one at least they're meeting each other for the first time. It's their first mm-hmm. encounters. It's them getting to know who each other are. So her, re- you know, we're getting her reactions to what he's into and that he likes to do all this spanky shit and blah, blah, whatever else. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, there's kind of a story to the first one because of that. Because it is about right. them meeting each other. It's not very good and they have no chemistry. Like, it is insane how little chemistry these two have with each other. But yeah. But let's ignore that for a start. But on a, and some fundamental level, there's a story in the first one because it is the first time they're seeing each other and falling for each other and all that. Once you get to the second movie, the second and third movie is a series of really weird little mini plots that over are over you know overlap a bit here or there, and there, there are some mm-hmm. that are sort of split up, so they sort of like run throughout the movie. But it's a series of things that just happen. There's not. I think, the, the, and, you know, I said this on Twitter and Tim, you know, cracked a joke and said, oh, how dare movies have things happen? As, you know, <laughs> as, right? He, he's been pedantic because he, he, you know, right. he, he thinks he's funny because he's Tim. Tim's but, hilarious, but continue. I mean, he is hilarious, but I'm not going to give him that satisfaction, David. <laughs> right? But obviously, I, I, the better way to describe what I mean by that is that when I got to the last 10 minutes of this third movie, and this was true of the second movie as well, the first time I watched it, mm-hmm. there is nothing like 10 minutes before the end of the third movie or the second movie that makes it feel any closer to the ending than you were when you were 10 minutes into the movie it still feels the exact same it doesn't feel like there's but you know when you're watching a movie normally you've got momentum and you ramp up and you sort of reach a crescendo and there may be a bit of an epilogue at the end but the epilogue even still feels like you're coming down after the high of the ending and you're just kind of like saying goodbye and you're doing you know that's how a movie is typically structured you have yeah. You know, roller coaster. I mean, it goes up and down a little bit, uh, to, and, you know, if you're really getting the net gray. But as an average, you're just going, 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 boom, 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 third act. And then they have a little bit of epilogue just to wrap things up. And you have a, yeah. there's, there's a feeling you associate with that journey and where you feel at the start when you're introducing things, you're introducing your themes of your story, um, when you're at the end and you're sort of wrapping things up. Along the fact that there's a montage right before the end. Of the third movie? Oh, God, that montage. <laughs> there is nothing that told me that this feels like the end of a movie. It, it was just, oh, we're done with all the plots we had now. So, mm-hmm. now we go. So, I mean, the th- first one kind- is kind of like that as well, t- to an extent, but it's really two and three that feel like that the entire way through. I mean, I agree, but at the same point, the first movie, it feels like they only have that up until the point where they start doing the sex contract negotiation. Sure. And then as soon as they get to that point, the rest of the movie is like, hmm, will I? Maybe. And then Christian just keeps coming back of like, oh, I'll never do anything until you sign that contract. And then he immediately does something. 
and that happens about four times and then the movie just kind of stops yes so and that's like it's I think the best point because that was I actually I was watching um I was watching the second one with a friend of mine and it came to the end of the second movie and she she hands over that little light up keychain that says yes on it obviously a yes for the proposal but I just joked that yes Christian I will sign your contract because <laughs> they still hadn't resolved that it still wasn't fixed I, I think there's a <sighs> There is a moment early on in the second movie where I think they're having dinner. Because this is the thing. The first movie ends with her walking out because, you know what? He's too extreme. She can't bear with it. She can't, she can't just be a sex slave to him. She wants a real relationship. And she walks out. That's the cliffhanger at the end of the first movie. Yes. The second movie, he's won her back in like five minutes. <laughs> like it's Not like... even. The, the order of events was <laughs> he's sending a bunch of like flowers then her friend has a gallery that is a surprise all photos of her yes he buys all the photos of Yo, her oh let's just put this out is that yeah. her friend says oh someone just bought all six photos and we're mm -hmm. like i wonder who that could be and then just standing in the gallery anastasia <laughs> come back to me and they and go then the, they go for and dinner then the, yeah. yeah they go and, for and dinner and then the entire thing the entire conversation basically boils down to you know how i was in the first movie i don't want to be that anymore i want you and then the yeah. next the next two movies are just them progressing back to the point where he was who he was in the first movie I, so although I, yeah. now he's learned something i, I think guess technically that that's conversation is where the contract is thrown out it's like oh no contract anymore because now oh, we're yeah, going to no. be a regular couple yeah, they would. They explicitly said the point. This I will give them credit. This carries over the next two movies of it being not. There's no punishment stuff, mm -hmm. which is part of what the contract was. Was it being a reward and punishment based system? I I grant them that 100. percent The fundamentals of all good marriages are based on. <laughs> yes, exactly. However, by the time they get to the end in the third movie specifically, they they bring it back up. She's being um. She's being punished because she lied to Christian about going out with friends or something like that. And she brings up, like, that was punishment. You said we wouldn't be doing that anymore. But then they just, again, drop it. They say they had a conversation. He says, I'm sorry. They hug. And then, hey, honey, would you like to go to Aspen? <laughs> and I'm just, nothing here is resolved in terms of any, like, if I'm sorry is enough to resolve it, then fine. That's great. But it's not good for a movie's sake because that's not doing anything that's not keeping the ball rolling here yeah just so that's uh, again back in track to the start of the story just yeah, to sell some of the context for people who don't know any like they have a vague idea of 50 shades because it's in pop culture they know it's yes. about someone who's in a kinky shit um so anastasia is a college student in the first movie and i'm, mm. I'm pointing that out because the level of success she has in her career by the third <laughs> movie is ludicrous ludicrous <laughs> But more on that later. So, and her friend, her roommate slash friend is supposed to be interviewing Mr. Grey. And she is, but she's sick. She's got a cold. So Anastasia's mm. going to fill in. She's giving her some questions in a notepad. She's going to go and ask some questions. No big deal. And the entire movie is designed to show that she is this meek, timid person, right? Because she walks into uh, Grey's company and everyone who works, every woman specifically who works there are all in high heels, they're all in tight dresses, mm. they look, they're all supermodels, right? He only hires 
stunning looking woman that's his whole thing and she's got like a cardigan or something on and she's kind of embarrassed and she's shuffling through or you know shoulders all huddled up she's um, the before picture of anne hathaway in every yes. anne hathaway movie and for some silly reason she trips through the door on her entrance into his office oh, God. <laughs> you know i had completely forgotten about that until the montage at the end specifically brought it back up and i was like oh right that happened i think i remembered this because i think i watched someone's review or reaction or something uh to the first movie Mm -hmm. and i had forgotten a lot of these scenes so the trip itself really stuck out to me as being oh yeah that was a really stupid moment um And this first encounter, this that's the first time they meet. And I'm not going to try and talk about every scene in detail like this, but I think this is important because it's the first time they meet. This is your your two leads meeting. And mm. he is this... So so everything about the characters is really just, like, too perfect, right? He's too... He's this 27-year-old, handsome billionaire who's single. <laughs> like, And everything about this is a fantasy because it's it's constantly just him being like, oh, I own this plane, this helicopter, this restaurant. I can fly this plane. I can fly this helicopter. Oh, of course. I, you know, it's you know, do you know in like Inception when uh uh I can't remember the character's name, but um, you know, he turns around Dumb. and goes, I, I bought the plane, right? Or, or, I'm sorry, oh. I, I bought the airline. Yeah, right? right. Um, when he turns around and says that, right? that's effectively like just constantly what christian gray is in this yeah, movie he's constantly, he, he he literally buys the company in the second movie that she's got a job at mm-hmm. and then he owns the, the overall company that she's like you know like several levels down yeah i think the i think the running gag was i'm your boss's boss's boss yes um so it just like everything about it because there were so many moments and it's really see when you watch the three of them in a close proximity you mm-hmm. really notice just how often it'll cut to a pop song as like the camera swoops into the boat yes. they're on or the helicopter they're on or mm-hmm. the car they're driving in and it's like look at how magical all of this is she's living in a dreamland it's, it's every girl's like you know it's basically the princess fantasy that some prince yeah. comes along and takes a liking to you and and falls in love and brings you in and all of a sudden all of this stuff is also yours that you know yeah, that's the, have- the fantasy I have no problem with that in a romance novel setting. Like that is perfectly sure. acceptable for any and adapting it to screen. Fine, if that's how you want to do it. My problem comes from the the idea that Anastasia is supposed to be our audience character. She's supposed to be the person that we relate with, and we're the person that we're seeing this through. But she has absolutely no agency of her own. Throughout all three movies, there is nothing. The most that she ever says that she wants are things in terms of like, oh, I'd like to do this. I'd like to do that. And then Christian tells her, no, you can't do that. She puts up a little bit of a fight. Christian may give in and give her something, but then she just ends up not doing it. And that happens like 20 times over the course of three movies. Like the one that stands out for me is I think in the second movie, she she calls and says that she needs to go to New York for a business thing that she just found out about. And they have a whole argument about it of like, can I go? Will Christian let me? Blah, blah, blah. And in the end, Christian subsides and says, well, why don't we both go to New York? We'll make a couple's thing out of it. And she's like, that's perfect. That's exactly what I want. Smash to next scene. She tells her boss that she can't go to New York. We just established that everything here is hunky-dory and good. And then it's like, actually, that plot wasn't going to go anywhere. So we're just going to go somewhere else real quick because that's... Don't worry about it. Everything that Anastasia wants 
up until I think probably the second half of the third movie is just completely fluid. It all depends on whether or not she's supposed to be standing up to Christian at that moment or if she's supposed to be subservient to him. And I don't, in the way of a character, that's not satisfying for me. I would like to know the character that I am supposed to be connecting to. Like, what do they want? What do they want to happen? The only thing I know is that she wants Christian. And even then, by the end of the movie, does she? The the other thing about the fantasy, though, of course, is that he has this, like, darkness, this problem that can be fixed, right? That's the other part of the fantasy, (laughs) is that he does have one really bad thing about him, but I can fix that. I can be the person to fix that, right? And that's, that's fine and well. And, I mean, I, the story wouldn't appeal to me, right? You see, as, as, a, as a trashy romance thing to mm-hmm. appeal to its core audience, fine. But all my problems come back to it's not structured like a story because the character doesn't really learn anything. And the closest thing that's supposed to be there as an arc for the whole story is the mm-hmm. idea that Christian himself is supposed to get over whatever trauma he has and become like a more full-fledged person by the end so that he's not, you know, haunted by the the birth mother who was a crack addict <laughs> yes. put him up for adoption back when he was a kid or died and he went uh, for adoption. Whatever, whatever the yeah, sequence whatever, of events were. Whatever happened. He had some parental issues yes. that never quite got resolved. And it's, it's it feels like such an afterthought like in the grand scheme of the plot where it just kind of oh, comes yeah. up randomly here or there when it's relevant yeah. when it when they want to bring it up because for the most part all the author of the book and then in turn the movie because she had a lot of control i believe uh yeah no i actually was going to bring that up of the first movie was directed and written by just completely like actual film people and i think it shows but when it got to the second movie director was just some like he did a lot of tv work but the screenwriter the only credited screenwriters on both of the second and third movie are el james herself and her husband. So well, this did not go through more than one draft, guaranteed. <laughs> I'm just imagining what their married life is like. I I have to imagine at this point, either they're all in on the kinky stuff or they never want to see it again. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it just, like I say, there's, there's no proper structure to anything, especially mm. in the second and third movie. And like you say, the first one had actual filmmakers trying to turn it into something. Mm. I mean, I don't think they succeeded in making it appeal to anyone who it wouldn't appeal to anyway, but there's at least more yeah, of yeah. an actual movie kind of there mm-hmm. uh, compared to the second and third. Um, but anyway, to bring this all back around, so I want to talk about the characters' relationship, right? Um, okay. That starts with their first meeting, where there's zero chemistry. Um, <laughs> you know, like... Immediately, she starts saying dumb things. Like, she asks him if he's gay. Oh, yeah. All right? That pops up. Uh, the moment that really stuck out to me is a line of dialogue where he talks a lot about his work and what he does for business and blah, blah, blah. And then she has a just a general question of, you know, do you have any interest outside of work? Any hobbies? Anything like that. And Christian, not disguising that this is basically just, you know, softcore porn for a certain demographic <laughs> looks at her dead in the eye and says i pursue certain physical pursuits <laughs> is it hot in here god <laughs> and it's just <laughs> and i think that's the moment where you realize okay this is just kind of going to be trashy right that, that's what this is and yeah that, and that and there's nothing wrong with that per se 
But even trashy stuff can still function with some basic fundamentals of a movie. Oh, yeah. You know, or storytelling, I guess, rather than a movie. But... Yeah. So that's missing. And then from that point on, like, the relationship is as far as being a healthy, like, portrayal. Because you, you... I mean, to sort of take this, right, and say, okay, what's the good version of this relationship? Well, the good version of this relationship is that you actually have a well-written drama about him actually having problems and a lot of his his uh, aggression and weird sexual desires you know going back to his childhood trauma and his parental issues like you mm-hmm. actually do a movie where he does actually break down and she is able to kind of make him unlock some of that trauma in a way that no one else has ever done because they have a genuine connection and there is growth over the course of the three movies right Right. And that could be something. Or, or, or even even before I get to that, let's say a good... Because I can give you a good version of a very similar story, right? So Love much so, in fact, that the main character in it is Mr. Grey. That's his name. And it was made long before Fifty Shades of Grey was ever a thing. It is a movie called Secretary, starring Maggie Gyllenhaal and James Spader. I remember that. I never and saw it, but I remember it coming out. And it is a great movie about... A, 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 a very timid woman who discovers that she's into some kinky shit with this boss. Who, I mean, it's James Spader who t- tends to be in kinkier movies, right? But here's the yeah. thing. James Spader actually has intensity. He actually has this awkwardness to him that feels really weird. And, you know, he's got a presence. Something that I don't think Christian Grey has in any of these movies. Right? This, yeah. <laughs> do you know what this is? This is, like, this is the fantasy. Oh, I want the, the, the rich bachelor who has a weird dark side. But I want him to be a really generic, handsome man, though. I don't, I don't want him to be weird. Oh, well, yeah. Whereas James Spader is a bit weird. Like, he's got a bit of a weirdness to him as well. So it works. Yeah. It's like I mean, if you if you had, especially with Christian Grey, I mean, not to say this is 100% true of everybody, but if you have that much deep-seated trauma that is, like, controlling this entire aspect of your life, you're not just going to be totally normal in every other aspect of your life, mm-hmm. especially not to the point where he is. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be unpacked there, but everyone's just like, no, nah, Christian, he, he could literally buy you right now if he wanted to. He's just that successful. He's the best. He's the best at everything. Of course it, he is. It, do you know what it is? It's the, you know, in, in the room, uh, Tommy Wiseau, <laughs> his character, Johnny, he's just the best mm-hmm. at everything. He's the best at work. He's yeah. doing good. He's got a big bonus at the bank. He's He's... He's great. He's the best boyfriend. He's the best neighbor. Yeah. He's he's a guardian to this child who apparently lives on his own or something next door. Whatever it may yeah. be. He's the best at everything so that we feel sad for him when his evil fiance betrays him. <laughs> right? Um mm-hmm. it's kind of the same thing here in the sense that just in the instead of it being about himself, it's a, it's the the fantasy of this perfect person. He's the best mm-hmm. at everything. He's just the best, the best, the best, the best. And that is why he's so appealing. And you know. yeah, and again, I think that goes it, because he is the best at everything. It goes into that issue that I have where all the scenes just if Christian does something like genuinely does something wrong, either Anna just doesn't care. Like she just accepts like, OK, that's whatever. I go back to the changing the name thing in the third movie mm-hmm. because that was just a temper tantrum. He literally walks into the room, says like, there's no Mrs. Gray working at this place because yeah. your email hasn't been changed. <laughs> our work, our work, no less, right? Exactly. It, like, she's out work. She's in a, she's talking to Superman, right? Tyler Horsland <laughs> is in there, like talking about his book, which is doing very well apparently. And she's mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, we want a second book." She's doing really, good. you know, she's she's they're making money. She's doing good at her job, which is yeah. 
you know, but a bit fast forwarded if I, if I do say so. But, <laughs> but, but ignoring that for the minute, right? And Christian storms into her office and demands to speak to her. I mean, obviously, he's civil enough about it in public, but it's got that very passive aggressive things like, I need to speak oh, to That's Mrs. not even Gray. passive aggressive. The dude, <laughs> dude puts out his hand for a handshake and he's like, <laughs> I suppose I'll shake that if that's the simple yeah. thing people do, but <laughs> you yeah. can tell he just wants to throw himself on the couch and be like, change your name. It's not even that though. The argument itself boils down to uh like why have you changed your name? What is this? And she's like, look, I'm known as still here. I mean, and I'm all, all I'm thinking of is Die Hard did this better. <laughs> Gennaro and McLean was a better yeah. version of this scene. <laughs> yeah. But no, okay, so what I was saying was, though, either she just sweeps it under the rug, like that scene, where she's just like, fine, okay, I'll change it, no big deal, whatever. Or, when she finally does call him out on something that does go too far, all it takes for him is, I'm sorry. And then it's it's fine, it's whatever. There's no, like, period in between where it's like, oh, okay, well, that actually isn't enough. The only time that happens is at the very last scene of the very last movie. That's the only time. That's just to raise the stakes for the final... And it's, encounter. it's funny because every... we... No, go ahead. I was going to say, because, you know, when I've been talking about Twilight before, I've talked about how Bella's a really horrible role model for young girls because of like the mm-hmm. way she obsesses over Redward and the fact that, you know, in the second story, she's literally willing to kill herself because that's better than not having the guy you want. And, you know, she's yeah. an awful role model. I actually think, in a weird way in this, it's kind of flipped. And the Christian is this awful role model for men, which admittedly isn't so bad because most men aren't going to want to watch this this movie. Yeah, fair. But there is part of the flip side of that is that maybe it's teaching a lot of potential. I mean, admittedly, I think the, the average age of people watching this are probably a bit older, but it's yeah. it, it could be a very poor message to say younger women who are you know late teens, early twenties who are maybe seeing this as a joke because oh it's funny let's go see the Fifty Shades because it's kinky and maybe sexy or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not a very sexy experience. That's why I put that out there. But maybe they go see. You know, watching all the unrated editions. <laughs> but yeah, they go, they go see the movie, and they're basically being told that this perfect man will do a lot of horrible things. But as long as he says thank you, and because he acts like he's a bit tortured, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You, you can forgive it. You can just forgive yeah. it, and it's all fine. So don't be wrong. It's not as bad as Twilight in that respect because Twilight, I think, is targeting young teenage girls and it's teaching them maybe a lot of bad things about what, <laughs> what your attitude should be to a lot of th- a lot of subjects. But I do think there's a little bit of that here with Christian and that you're sort of like, yeah, that's like because that first movie especially, right? I can't even say yeah. the second and third are full of red flags because at that point they're not red flags. They're just like they're just the the the. the whatever danger the red flags are warning you about are just happening in the relationship yeah. in the second and third movie. But that first movie is like, you, if you played a drinking game where you just had to drink, not even all the other rules, because I've seen drinking games for Twilight like being made up and it's like every time she bites a mm-hmm. lip, every time he says later's baby, every, you know, all these different things that you could do it for. But it could just be the red flags. And yeah. the red flags alone would get you drunk. Because... The first the first movie <clears throat> is the danger cliff ahead sign. <laughs> and at the very end of the movie she like puts on the brakes like she starts to break and it's like okay we're learning something here and then as soon as the second movie starts you see that she was only breaking because she was meaning to go for the clutch so she could put it into sixth gear (laughs) that's that's the only thing that happened between those movies yeah because the 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 ballsier ending of the story honestly if it wasn't just someone's fantasy because that's what it is i you know this, this is the writer's fantasy 
that, that right. has been written, right? And it just feels that the entire time. So it, it feels so self-indulgent. Like, the more you go into it, the more self-indulgent it feels. Hmm. But if it wasn't a rare fantasy, the ballsy ending to the whole story would be them realizing they shouldn't be together, right? That would be the yeah. ending. I would call it the Rocky ending, right? It, this should not be her winning in the match at the end. It should be, no, no, I came this far, I learned a lot, he learned a lot, and we are both better people for it, but we should move on with our lives. <laughs> like, that should be the ending. <laughs> like, in a, in a world where it makes sense, yes, but in a romance setting, that sure. is obviously not going to work. Like, it, it, they always had to end up together in some regard. Yes, even my, though they have no chemistry, but yeah. Yeah, yeah but my, my primary problem in terms of the the red flags and all that, and whether or not she's a good role model or not, I'm not sure if she's better than Bella, honestly, because at least Bella, it was a fantasy thing. Like, yeah, you could tell the girls, okay, don't go dating vampires and werewolves. It doesn't matter. But with Christian, that is genuinely a type of person that women can come across. That is a person who is out there. Somebody who okay. just like seeks for control and domination over their partners. And to romanticize that in the way they have and to not show it. Clearly, Anastasia has no idea what a proper like counter to that is. How to hold up mentally on the other side of that kind of relationship. So to just show someone who's very experienced in that world taking pretty much advantage of someone who's has no experience, it just it strikes me as possibly more damaging to play it off as an actual romance than Twilight ever could. If that makes any sense. I, no, I, I kind of see what you're saying. Um, I, I think like the one the one scene that I think that can justify it is the contract scene where they're sitting apart from each other on the table, going over <laughs> the terms of the contract. And she literally has to ask for definitions for like half the words they're talking about. Yeah, this contract, again, contacts for anyone who's not seen or, yes. or read. The contract is that before he enters in a sexual relationship with someone, he makes them sign a contract that specifically consents to a number of things that they might do. So, yes. for example, she asks... What is anal beats? <laughs> she asks. You know, well, she doesn't ask what fisting is. She just asks for that to be scored out. But yeah, yeah. But they, they run down this list of things, and it's it's a very comedic scene. Intent, you know, the, at least the intention oh, is yeah. that it's funny. Um, yeah. And I mean, I'll, I chuckled at a couple of the lines. I won't lie; it's hard not to see some humor in this like very serious meeting with contracts about mm. sex. Of course, the whole idea. Uh, of course that. You know, he won't do anything without written consent. Like, on the one hand, you could say, well, he wants consent. Isn't that the gentleman thing to do? Well, yeah, but, like, the idea that you need it to be written is saying you have a lot of trust issues, for a start. Not only that, but just, like, already at that point in the story, he has had sex with her at least three times. Yes, that's, that is true. Like, he's just breaking all the rules anyway. And I guess you could put that off as, like, oh, well, he's so crazy about her and he's so whatever. Then ditch the whole contract thing. Well, here's the thing, Dave, you see, she admits that she's a virgin in a scene, and you can practically see the boner in his eyes the second <laughs> she says it. And that's the first time they have sex, is right after that. Yeah, uh, no, it is quite literally like 30 minutes, if even after that. Yeah, because um, they're sitting at, maybe at the piano, or maybe just at a table in his like penthouse, mm -hmm. and they just, they just immediately go and do that. Um, but yeah, so that's why I described some of the red flags, though, that are in that first movie, in particular. Yes. So... Mm -hmm. After they've had this meeting, he just shows up at her work, 
randomly. She's working part time at like a hardware store. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of jokes here because he's buying rope and tape and other things. Uh, and he even like drops a line about, oh, well, I don't need overalls. I could just take my clothes off. And she's like, oh, your clothes off? Yeah. And it's, like, it's an awkward moment. Right? Mm-hmm. So, red flag. Red flag number two. They're not even dating yet. Mm-hmm. She's went out with her friends to a club or, or a, you know, a bar, somewhere to dance, whatever. Right. And she she gets drunk and she's worked up the courage to call him because he sent her some books as a gift. And well, no, no, you you missed the scene in between here. The scene in between there was they went out for coffee oh. and then Christian decided that no, actually, you need to stay away from me. Oh, we can't be together. That's because she, that's because she says she's interested in romance, which is a pretty normal right. thing that most people are on some level interested in. And he's like, yeah. you want romance? You just want raw, angry, passionate sex? Well, in that case, I just can't do it. <laughs> I'm not right <laughs> for you. Right, <laughs> um, which is, is tedious to sit through because given the whole premise of the story, it's like, dude, we know, we know that this is bullshit. We know that you're just going to change your mind a minute later. So there's no, yeah. it's, it's just tedious to sit through. I um, mean, I'm okay with it if it's an interesting reason to change the mind, but sure. literally there was no interesting reason. No, cause... She, she just calls him uh, while yeah. she's drunk and says, I don't need the books, blah, 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 blah. And when he hears how drunk she is, and he's like, you've been drinking? He's like, where are you? I'll come and find you. And she doesn't even tell him. He just tracks her phone <laughs> and shows up at the bar. And I'm like, okay, that's a red flag. <laughs> but here's the thing. The way they play that off, um, the one friend, I think it's Jose or whatever. Yes. Uh, like makes a move on her and despite her like very clearly being hesitant and not going for it jose keeps pushing and therefore christian when he arrives he's not the stalker who just followed her into a club he's the hero who broke up a potential sexual well, assault th- th- yes even though jose for the rest of the trilogy is treated like he's just the kindest friend ever who's stepping oh, yeah. aside to, to let he's fantastic yeah uh so, I do love, though, every time that Jose is in a scene and then, like, something happens between Anna and Christian, they make sure to go to him and show <laughs> the pain in his face. He's not rich. He's not allowed a girlfriend. Oh, God. <laughs> no. I mean, you're right. Based off this story's uh, things, that's the only people who are allowed to date. Well, I mean, well, this is one of the problematic things. Because this, this, he even says, I think, he's got a line, he's like, I think it's the next morning he says something like, do you have an idea how much danger you put yourself in last night by getting drunk in a public place? Right? But going back to this moment where they go out of their way to put her in this moment where her friend, who's clearly got a crush on her, that's established, you know, in the mm-hmm. few scenes they've had up until this point, uh, goes in for a kiss and is a bit more, you know, forward with it than he maybe should be. Right. But, you know, th- this whole moment here is designed... To, to justify Christian's belief that this is putting herself in danger, that she should not go without with friends and get get drunk. And, and this is, mm-hmm. for the record, this is coming from someone who has never drank. I have never been drunk in my life. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> and more to the point, the thought of going out to a, a club or a bar where people are just getting drunk and dancing sounds like living hell to me, quite frankly. So, mm. right... So this is coming from me when I say this, that his attitude here and this, the message he's trying to get across is that I am so possessive that you are just putting yourself in danger and I had to come and rescue you, proving that I am right. Every bit of messaging in this and that the scene is trying to paint him as in the right for doing this is mm-hmm. problematic in a number of ways. Yeah, but again, I we brought this up in the beginning. 
all of this is still just Twilight parallels. Like all of this, this scene with the being Wait, nearly attacked is the exact same thing as when those four guys confronted Bella in mm -hmm. the alley and he showed up in his Audi to <laughs> scare them away with his vampire magic or whatever. Like it's still just doing the Twilight parallels at this point. Oh, does that mean Jose's meant to be like Jacob? Yes, actually exactly that. It's, it's actually kind of amazing then how little like story he has then. Because after this, he's basically just dropped. Like he's in the odd oh, yeah, scene no. here or there. I, I'm I'm pretty sure that there was an interview at one point where E.L. James like confirmed that they were 100% Team Edward, and therefore <laughs> Jacob was just nah. He's a loser. He sucks. Get him out of here. Well, what's funny is that in the third Twilight, I've not seen the fourth or fifth yet, so I can't comment mm -hmm. on those. But by the third, like I don't know how anyone could be Team Jacob because he <laughs> he does actually forcibly kiss Bella in that movie, and it's really like it's yeah. really it, 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 you know it's. And then Bella breaks her hand when she punches him in her face, which is the funniest thing in the whole movie. But <laughs> <laughs> funny enough, that review's got out the same day as this because that's also oh, a Valentine fun. special. So you get a you get a double dose. There's a little crossover <laughs> between the two. Um, so yeah, so there's just there's constant red flags throughout that first movie where. Mm. She, she says she's like, then they're already kind of dating at this point to the point where she's going with him to like have dinner with his family and they all get to meet her we've not even mentioned his brother's dating her best friend now and he's like the more yeah. fun loving dude uh, whatever. Went, no it wasn't when they went to the club there was some point where they met up though i i and think like, it may have, was it the graduation because christian went to speak at the graduation or something yeah that sounds right it somewhere was somewhere around there I love how that, that, also that plot, because I don't want to bring it up again later, it's just an undercurrent throughout all three movies that, like, they're dating, and they have, like, their own relationship problems and stuff like that, <laughs> and then finally it all crescendos with he proposes to her in the third movie. After the and tease we, that he might be cheating on her with this. Right, which also goes nowhere, I'm saying, yes. anyway. But it's just... Well, I, I, I think the idea is, is that he was planning engagement stuff with this other woman, so... Like it's all resolved. Oh no, because that's clearly what it was. Yeah. But like, from the sake of a movie, you cut that because it doesn't matter. It's not doing anything. No, the it's not. only thing that that could, in any sense, further is if Anna had her own doubts about Christian's fidelity. That was already solved, because, though. But they like, yeah. yeah, it was totally done with. We were past that, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't uh, ever well, want to talk about the relationship again. Barry, so back back to the scene. So, so she goes to dinner mm. with. Uh, his family, right? Yes. And the, she casually mentions in this that, oh, she's not seen her mother who lives in another state in a while. She's going to visit her this weekend. Mm. And first of all, red flag number one, Christian is seething because he's not heard about this shit. He's like, I know about this. What are you doing? <laughs> the, the, you know what? There's so many times in the, that first movie where I was internally going, oh, he doesn't like that. <laughs> like, like i was thinking that so often I mean, that yeah. first movie. Um, but to the point where so that's red flag number one is just his reaction to that then him mm. being disappointed at that and mad about it and then him showing up in the state on a work thing yeah <laughs> so that he can be there it's not like she's going to see a friend where oh you know if you were a really paranoid jealous like type mm. and like, okay she's with her friends they're going to go out and maybe meet people maybe she'll meet a guy i want to be there to police her she's with her mother just typically people don't go and meet like potential partners when they're hanging out with their parents it's not oh, it's no. just not the climate for it 
But regardless of any of that, regardless of like whether she was telling the truth or whether she was lying or if Christian's the jealous type or whatever, they aren't together yet. She has not. If if the relationship in Christian's mind hinges upon whether or not she signs this contract, they are not in a relationship yet. They are not together. By this point, they've had sex so many times. I think at this point, they may have even done some kinky shit in the red room. I guess. It's just, I get so, because on one hand, Christian is so by the books about like everything he does. He wants that contract signed. He says this, he says that. He's very much like the punishment (laughs) reward system. He wants to do that. But then he immediately just gives in to his most base desires in terms of jealousy and protectiveness. I think this is actually quite an accurate portrayal of men in that we'll say a lot of shit but the second mm. we actually get horny, all of us out the window, the willpower's gone. Like, it's gone. <laughs> right? Sex is on the Fair table. Enough. It doesn't matter. Right? <laughs> That's you. Fair enough, but that doesn't make him any more appealing of a character. No, I don't want no, my, I don't want a dark reflection of my own gender portrayed <laughs> against me. Uh, except he's perfect because it's easy for him to just be successful at everything. Oh, of course. Yes. So I honestly did. Did do you remember at any point when they say what Gray Industries actually does? The only thing I remember is that they're doing some charity work in Africa. That's I remember the, that. That's the only thing yeah. I remember them ever saying about what the company does. And apparently, they own a book publishing company. So yes. I guess it's one of these corporations who just own a bunch of things in different fields. So they're just yeah. like this, like, you know, this, this parent company that just owns like tons of stuff. Um, <sighs> so therefore, it's never talked about. That's the thing. Like yeah. Anastasia's job, I feel you know, obviously not in the first movie because she didn't have it yet. But in the hmm. second, the third movie, her book publishing job, I feel like I know quite a lot about that. But oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I understand what she's doing to as much as I could without having worked in a place like that. I understand what what her role is. Yeah. I mean, uh, she's just the fiction editor. She reads all the fiction books and yeah. says what gets by. Yeah, or well, the fact that she even has that job is ridiculous. Uh, yes, that is. Like, she, she's literally the assistant to the previous fiction editor who gets mm-hmm. fired. We'll get into why in a little bit. Yeah. And she's just offered the job because she says one smart thing at a meeting. And okay, then... can I just, on that meeting, can I really <laughs> okay. just... Okay. Like, I hate that scene <laughs> so much. Because it's just everything... Just... Okay, if you had a scene, if you had a scene where you had to have Anne approve herself, fine. I have no problem with the concept of that scene. But this particular one, it opens on a guy talking, saying, oh, we need to really double down on our established authors. That's how we're going to get new readers in. And then immediately afterwards, Anne just under her breath. Let me pause you right there. Yeah. That sentence on its own. Mm Mm-hmm. We need to double down on our established authors to get new readers. It already, like, yeah, he basically no. just opens, it's an open goal. He just, like, gives her the easiest thing to counter in the world. Exactly. And so, and so he just, she just whispers under her breath, like, you need to do the opposite. And then the super manager, his, her boss's boss, chimes in and is like, do you have something to say, Miss Steele? And she just says, literally, <clears throat> literally just what E.L. James wanted to say when she was looking for publishers like sure. that's it's just her manifesto of you need to focus on smaller ones possibly internet writers you know people with an established fan base who are coming back to read my twilight fanfic i mean whatever <laughs> it is they're writing on a regular basis and then the manager's just like you make a good point maybe let's try that and then the guy who spoke up the first time's like what <laughs> What? And then as soon as they leave the room, she gets offered to fill the position that was open temporarily 
until yeah. she gets it permanently in the next one. But like that whole scene, just because it wasn't even a scene, it was literally just a platform for E.L. James' manifesto. Mm-hmm. That's that was then given to like just put in front of a crowd of idiots so they could be like, "That's the smartest idea we've ever uh, heard." Anastasia's entire life has somehow just fallen into perfection in the space of a few months because she was in college, right? She mm-hmm. she had never really dated anyone by the sounds of it. You know, she definitely didn't have sex, but I assume that by that she also didn't really have much of a relationship with anyone. Not any serious relationships, yeah. no. Uh, and then she, she within. I mean, I don't know how much time passes from like the start of the first movie to the third, but it didn't seem like that much time. And she is like got a job that would normally take people years to get to. She is married. She is a billionaire. <laughs> she, she's like mm-hmm. everything. Uh, and then one final thing on that scene with the meeting is that the guy who's like her boss, who like sort of likes her idea, uh, that actor was in Mr. Robot and he was a complete shithead in that show. So I was <laughs> expecting him to make a heel turn at any point and he never does. But it's just because of what I've seen him in. <laughs> Okay, so I've got here. Yes, I've got here the book timeline. Right, go on. Uh, according to the books, on May 9th, a Monday, Anna interviews Mr. Gray. Yes, Monday's important. Yes, that's that's the important yes. detail. What, so what, what year? So, so well, 1998. Whatever. May, May 9th. <laughs> May 9th is the important date here. And then we see here the marriage, the wedding, takes place on July 30th. Is that that's the next year? The same year. What what? May 9th to July 30th is the span of all of this action. I thought you said there were six months from the No, the I said six month. weeks. Oh six weeks. <laughs> there were six weeks between the engagement to the wedding, which makes up the majority of their relationship out of all of this. Wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. So Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so just re- you can ask that. as many questions as you want. Right. It's not going to help. Right. Recap that for me again. So, okay, so, May ninth. So, so May ninth was a start, and then you said the wedding was July. The the wedding right. was okay. July thirtieth. Right. The okay. engagement was the middle of June. So the entirety of the first and second movie mm-hmm. takes place between May ninth. Yep. And, and technically June eighteenth. So just over a month. Yep. Is the first and second movie. Yep. I mean, to be fair, this is the book timeline. <laughs> so. I mean, there's nothing in the movie to suggest. <laughs> no. That is, that's not accurate. So, I, I mean. I, 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 I think that's worth like 12 red flags on its own right there. <laughs> oh my. Okay, that is wild. Um, mm. Mm, uh, so. Yes. Other big things from the first story that are probably worth mentioning is that he does go too far and spanks the shit out of her, uh, which is kind of towards the end where she freaks out and says, no, that's the last time you ever do that to me again. This is not a relationship. Yeah, he, this is your weird thing, and I'm leaving. Some, something was happening at work. He got angry, and she's like, hey, I know you're angry, so why don't you like show me how bad it can get? Like, And then he does exactly what she asked, and then she leaves. <laughs> Yeah, she's like, take it out of my ass, and then he does, yeah. and then she gets upset. Like, okay, so I, uh, I don't know if this was a fan thing, or if this was a, like an actual thing that they tried to put forward, but I heard um, that the idea that the director-screenwriter were trying to put forward for the end of the scene was that 
basically she he starts off the scene saying i'm going to i'm going to whip you six times and you're going to count it off and so he starts whipping the idea that they put forward was that she, he was going to keep going he was going to break that and go too far and she was going to use the safe word and he was going to ignore it therefore actually betraying trust and actually having a reason to be that upset of course that's not what we got what we actually got was he did exactly what he said he was going to do he basically honestly i feel like the way they were doing it wasn't even like that bad but that's my own personal thing i mean yeah that's a weird thing to say yeah. um, i haven't been present for a lot of spankings but i will say that it didn't it didn't seem that hard to me when they show all of those things in the red room i felt like that was the most tame on things that could still technically be considered out there yeah, and because there's a joke in the third movie where he says, we're going to do this, and she go open that drawer, that's what we're doing, and she opens the drawer, mm -hmm. and she looks and goes, really? And it just cuts away, and you never get to see what they did. And I'm mm -hmm. like, did he have her screw up with a strap on or something? Like, what What, what was the thing? What was in the I drawer? Don't, don't tell us. Christian Grey is independent. <laughs> Confirmed. I don't know, but, it, it, like... Yeah, I, yeah. So I don't really have much more to add on the first movie. I don't think, right? It's just no, not really. The, the biggest problem ultimately is that there's just no chemistry. Mm -hmm. Everything is red flag city. So I don't understand the fascination other than just, I guess she's attracted to him because he's handsome and he has a lot of money. Right? I mean, I can understand being attracted to someone that you know is wrong for you. Sure. Like I can understand that setup, and I can also understand the the entire romantic like just the physical lust side of it i can understand that my issues with the movie come solely from like i said once it hit that contract negotiation scene it's like the movie just stopped like nothing there were entire scenes that were just entirely focused on like well we could be doing something right now but you haven't signed the contract yet and it's like then why am i watching the movie do something and then that continues on for the next two movies until we hit the end of the third and then all of a sudden it throws it into overdrive the question why am i watching this pops up often in my head as i am and then i remember that partially you're responsible oh um, i'd like to consider myself mostly responsible <laughs> <laughs> so um i have an answer to that question when i ask it mm -hmm. yeah. and i do it because i'm bored on a thursday night <laughs> um yeah, I mean, you say the movie kind of stops there, but I would argue the entire series mostly stops there. Yeah. And then, because I think this is where we start talking about all the plot lines that are in the second and third movie and just how wacky. I mean, I guess the one thing that's introduced in the first movie is that Christian learned all this from a mistress that he had when he was a teenager uh, yes. who, they ref who they referred to as Mrs. Robinson. That's not a real name, but that's what she calls her because, you know, mm -hmm. referencing the, the real graduate. Name is Elena, I believe. Yeah, Ken Basinger, who we don't see till the second movie, but that's who it turns out to be. Mm. Um, and she was like this, like, you know, sexy older lady who seduced him when he was a teenager and he was hard submissive and that's where he mm. learned it all and yada, yada, yada. And 
her reaction to this especially when she sees her in the second movie right because it's an early on thing because he takes mm-hmm. he's like hey we're going to this party to this mass ball i'm going to take you to get your hair done i know put someone and he take and it turns out that this elena runs this salon and right. she, she he takes her there and when she realizes that he's taking her to not only his ex but the ex who sexually assaulted a child <laughs> effectively yeah. mm-hmm. um because that's her reaction to it right her reaction is no no you were underage and she assaulted you. That's what yeah. happened. And you don't, you know, see it that way. Oh, um, yeah. And it, it's... Look, I think I can speak for most men, right? Mm-hmm. Well, at least straight dudes anyway, right? I mean, I, I mean, I'm, sure, I mean I'm sure gay dudes are, you know, whatever, have their, their own versions of this. But yeah. I feel like most straight guys growing up when they're teenagers will have some fantasies about an older woman, like, you know, seducing them and, and teaching them things and, and whatever else, right? The, no. Maybe the teacher fantasy. It's, it's the it's the hot for teachers. Yeah, so. or whatever. You know, it could be any mm-hmm. version of that, right? You know, yeah. um, it's the MILF, right? American Pie gave it a name. It's the MILF. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, that That is a thing, right? And there's yes. nothing wrong with a fantasy, right? Yes. By and large, there's nothing wrong with the fantasy. As long as you know it's a fantasy, you accept it's a fantasy, you treat it as a fantasy. But that's the key. That's the yes. key word. Treat it as a fantasy. Right. <laughs> right? That's fine. Um, but this is this is treating that as no. This actually happened to him. And mm-hmm. Anastasia, quite rightly, says no, no. You were assaulted by this woman, and you're still friends with her. This is weird, and you shouldn't be okay with this. Um, so that becomes a subplot, and it's the, it's it's probably the longest running subplot in the movie because it's introduced early on and then is not paid off until you know. She, she meets her at the, the party. She mm. interacts with her in the bathroom and basically says, you're a monster, you assaulted him. And then it comes up again right at the very end because then she, like, outs her in front of Christian's mother. Her, her yeah. you know, adopted mother, that is, obviously. Yeah. Um, and her, the adopted mother's like, you did what? You're my friend. You seduced my son when he was underage. Get mm. out of my house, you bitch. Like, that's, obviously, that's yeah. a reaction. Yeah. Right because uh, that makes sense I mean it's I, I I think it was also seated in the first movie where he just mentioned how he did learn this stuff so yeah 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 they, uh, they yeah. did give it a little bit of of seating there my, well, my issue a, that's, the that's whole... how I opened it that's because that, that is the one thing that is seated in the, the first movie whereas right. all of the other plots just feel these random additions oh they are horrible but yeah. when it comes down to her character I think it's a fine enough concept the issue I have with it is just like she feels like the spirit of death where like she only appears to only Anastasia throughout the movie. And it's always, I'm pretty sure aren't both times in a bathroom as well. Like she's constantly just like falling around. It's just like Christian's never going to love you. He's not capable of love. The first, Break up with him. Break first, up with him. No, the first time is the second time. It's just in like a hallway in the, the mansion. Okay. Yeah. Regardless, it's still just separated from everyone else. And she's just saying the same thing over and over again. And I honestly feel like she only exists not not to have Christian have any sort of realization about how messed up it was. And as we see by the third movie, he didn't. But no, because he goes back to her. He gets drunk and goes and talks to her when he's upset about something. Exactly. But she only exists in this movie for the sole purpose of giving Anna a half like half hearted arc of the first time she was too like. She was like, no, I'm sure things are going to work out. But then in the very end, she's like, I'm going to throw a drink in your face. Psh, what of it? <laughs> so 
so that's one plot in the second movie uh, and our plot in the second movie is she's got this new job at a book publisher. She's a secretary or assistant, sorry, the direct term, mm-hmm. uh, for this dude who's uh, right away, as soon as he's introduced, like, he's got a thing for her. You can see that he's kind of into Anastasia. Oh, yeah. um, and there's Jack a, Hyde is his name. Uh, Jack Hyde is the name of the character. And there's a couple of, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's like another person, who, another woman who works there who kind of gives a couple of glances when he, she catches him, like, eyeing her up. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like another woman who is at a higher position now who comes in and like has a bit of a funny look when he reala- when she kind of realizes that he's taken a liking to her, which mm-hmm. becomes clear later that she was probably a previous assistant and therefore I'll yes. just call it what it is, victim of his. Um and although I didn't remember enough that when she popped up in the third movie and a fairly big thing towards the end, yeah. I was like, Who is this woman? <laughs> what is she doing that's always the issues with these movies is you gotta figure out like what the balance for the secondary characters is gonna be and if you ever undershoot it you're like i'm sorry is your do have we met do i (laughs) it took me so long to realize who this character was when she was like Mm -hmm. helping with the the hostage situation more than that we're just gonna keep yeah we're just gonna keep saying the hostage situation (laughs) until it blows up into this thing um and this, this, it's all it's set up, and he's like jealous a couple of times because Anastasia cancels a work thing to go and be with Christian. Um, he intentionally like talks her into going to a bar for a drink for briefly. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Well, it wasn't. I feel like the order of events there was he was basically laying down the moves, and then when the bar thing happened, Christian showed up to interrupt it yes. the same way he did at the other bar thing, and after that scene. He just had a personal vendetta against Anna and Christian. Yeah, and it's important to note that there's, there's not a lot of scenes, right? Like, I think no. there's like one scene where he gets mad at her and sort of accuses her of like resting on her laurels because mm-hmm. she, you know, she's technically now having sex with the boss's boss's boss, right? right. Um, and then the scene where he actually tries to attack her feels like such a leap forward because you know he yeah. just sort of says, "You know, come into my office," and he shuts the door. And he starts getting all, and he he just he jumps from like a, I don't know what you like, I don't know why he judged me for saying where it is in the scale. But he jumps from like a four on the he's maybe getting kind of problematic with the way he's like speaking to her to mm-hmm. like a twelve in the space of like five <laughs> seconds, where he just I think the line is he just suddenly suddenly goes, wait, why are you scared? Do you think I'm going to force you to f me? And I'm like, whoa, yeah, no. like just like <laughs> that was turbo drive it was that and shutting the door yeah and he just he... you know he starts putting his arms up against the wall behind her so she feels trapped and mm-hmm. and so and so on and he gets close and he starts saying he just he jumps to i'm gonna make you come like you've never came before and just like just like just and it's just like what is this why what is this random plot line that feels ins- and if and it's funny is that this guy ends up being like the main villain for the third movie and oh like, yeah no and i'm like I didn't know we needed to have a main villain. This was not a movie that needed a main villain. This is not... (laughs) See, you say that, but by the time we hit the third movie, I'm so happy that there's some overarching thing with lasting consequences. (laughs) Because Because it's just... The other two movies are just like, okay, they said they're sorry, and they're back together again. Great! Well, this is the thing. At the very, very end, it teases that this character's going to be a problem again in the third movie. But in mm-hmm. the context of this movie, it does actually feel like it's dropped very quickly because she needs him yeah. the balls, she runs out, Christian sends in his security man, and we find out he's fired, and then it's like, oh, that's it, he's gone. 
Mm-hmm. Now, there is one moment at the very end of the movie where he's watching from a distance and, like, like always oh, planning something, he's being evil or whatever. But yeah. other than that, it's like, okay, that's that plotting done. Yeah, pretty much. Let's move on with our lives. Um, and there's a lot of things like that in the second movie. Um, mm-hmm. I, I almost forgot to talk about uh, the, the ex-submissive girl yep. who keeps showing up early on. And it, th- this thing is completely resolved, like, maybe a third into the movie? Maybe halfway a push, like it's some. It's like early, Sean. Yeah, it's not late I, in the movie. I'm trying to think where it does get resolved, because it just <clears throat> there's like three points where I feel like it gets resolved, and then it just keeps showing back up again. Yeah, basically, this girl who looks a little bit like you know, like she's got the, that look in her eyes, right? She looks a mm. bit crazy. Looks looks also a little similar to Anna. Yeah, what's which that's a key thing is all of his exes are similar looking because they're all like his dead mother, mm. uh, which is. The crack addict, to be The specific. crack addict, yes. Yes. Um, so she shows up to Anna, and then Christian sees her another time when they're both there, and then mm. he finally confesses, like, oh, this is an ex-submissive. We split up because, uh, you know, she wanted more, I didn't. And mm. she got a bit possessive and stuff, but I thought she moved on. She got married. Uh, he actually says that. I, I was surprised he said that. I was like, oh, did she? Okay. Yeah. She um, got married, but then the husband died. And so, so she fell yeah. back in love with christian <laughs> so she keeps showing up and then out of nowhere in the movie there is and you know i say out of nowhere because it does because it feels like plot threads just get dropped and then come back like do you know when yeah. you're watching anything else and it feels like okay there's like two or three plot threads and there's like a subplot that keeps coming back up it feels like it's naturally weaving in and thematically ties into what's going on Mm-hmm. so much of the plots in these two sequels feel so segmented and separate as if you could almost just sort of rearrange it and have it be these like 20 or 30 minute like episodes i'm, con- I'm concerned that we haven't rearranged it into that i mean isn't that exactly what we've done we just talked about the jack hyde episode true, now we're yeah. talking about the layla episode um did you write down our name because i'm no, no actually i um as I was looking through history, I unfortunately learned more names than I ever wanted to. Because <laughs> I so. can never have told you her name. <laughs> like, I'm the helicopter's name is Charlie Tango. Oh, more than that one. <laughs> <laughs> like, this, this entire plotline just builds up to a scene where she somehow... Well, she doesn't break into Christian's place because his, his place is like a fortress, right? But yeah. she does break into his uh, car park where all his private cars are stored. Which That was another one of those moments, by the way, where Anastasia's like, which one's yours? And he's like, all of them. <laughs> All <laughs> but, right, Christian, thanks. But Christian, uh, so she doesn't break into Christian's place, but she does break into Anna's place because she's still got her own apartment right now. And of course, mm-hmm. it's just a regular apartment. So she breaks in, she's got a gun. And so we have a scene where she's been held up at gunpoint by this crazy ex who's like just lost the plot. And then Christian comes in and it somehow turns into a scene where Anna is concerned because of how submissive she is. And Christian's like, you know, you get down on your knees put the gun I was down say, you're stopping the best part he uses his jedi mind powers on her i love it. he puts up the hand and he's like give me the gun and she just gives the gun and i'm like oh my god but i mean this should be another red flag this uh, this i mean it's a second movie but this is the warning sign of like this is what he's done to previous girlfriends he has mm-hmm. broken them down to such a point that they are responding to him like a dog Yes, but I read it a slightly different way. Pretty oh, much the on. same reaction, though. It is a red flag for me, but it's more so in how I think the author sees anyone involved with the BDSM community, which is everyone involved 
who's like actually really into it has some level of like trauma like they are broken people and it's it's a it's a not so great way of viewing like okay i have a few kinks therefore i have to have this deep-seated issue that has happened to me like you can you can have the kinks without having that i'm not saying that's going to make for interesting characters but it just so happens to coincide with like anastasia no real trauma not really into it christian and layla both deep-seated trauma and then as we find out later uh jack hyde he also has his own issues growing up and he also is into it. Like, everyone who's into it has some major issues with that. Hmm. Yeah. And which would be fine if the the rating was at a level that was tackling that as a subject and saying, oh, let's explore this idea that people who have problematic mm-hmm. pasts or troubled childhoods develop certain things that other people don't. Maybe, the you know, is there a correlation there? Can we explore that? Can we explore yeah. why certain people feel this way? Uh, again, Go watch Secretary Story, Maggie Gyllenhaal and James Bader, because that is actually a very strong story of someone discovering that they are into something and their dependency on it, and then sort of the growth that both of them have through their relationship is actually a very good little movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I recommend it. Uh, highly, actually. Mm-hmm. This, on the other hand, it's like, no, we just want a bunch of kinky stuff, and it just kind of feels like it's there because we have to have plot. You know, yeah. the, the fantasy is the main part. The fantasy is the whole point. It's just that, oh, we also have to have some plots. So here's some things that can happen. And oh, yeah, I, I guess, got- I mean, you can, if we go back to how it was written fan fiction wise, you can tell that like every chapter had to have a sex scene in it. And some, some of the sex scenes I'm sure were cut from the movie and even from the book just because they genuinely did not make any sense. But you can tell <laughs> that like, here's the beat. Here's this plot thread. We've opened it up. They've had an argument. They've fixed it. Sex. Move on to the next one. And that yeah. happens numerous times over the course of these movies. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there is a lot of sex scenes, and a lot of them go on too long. And, you know, there's a lot of them with a lot of pop song playing as the sex I, I, is happening. I'm not going to fault the soundtrack much of anything. There are a couple songs that I'm personally just sick of, but they do... All of these sex songs have like a steamy sort of like very passionate sure. feel to it and then all of those as you were saying the boat ride songs they all they all had just that like man everything's awesome when i'm with christian gray sort of feel yeah. to it so i'm not gonna the the songs were well chosen that's should, possibly the they, only positive i could say there you should they should go back and take all the boat ride songs as you as, as we're putting it uh, mm-hmm. take them out and just replace it with everything is awesome i mean yeah it would fit <laughs> like, thematically it would fit yeah. yeah um no like there's a lot of sex scenes a lot of them go on too long uh by the time i got to the third movie i was just sick of seeing them do anything sexually like i was just sick of it yeah there was that scene uh in the third movie where they've, they've gotten a huge fight and christian's in the shower and then anna comes up tries to join him in the shower and he just walks off and i'm like oh my god do we have character development what's going on here it genuinely it it was and then i think the exact opposite happens even later on in the movie but it was just so interesting to see that like they denied a sex scene they they made sure to show Mm. her topless because they're never giving up a chance to do that but they at least denied the sex scene i mean i think if you're agreeing to be in this trilogy you just have to accept that that's happening <laughs> like I, I feel like yeah. that was very clear when she signed up that you're, you're going to be topless like a lot in this yeah that's fair um 
I, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's the other problem, is that none of the sex scenes are that sexy. Like, there's something very... sterilized about them. Yeah. And part of I it, see. I think, might be the lack of chemistry. That, I think that's part of it. I think mm -hmm. part of it also might be because it is so... Like, it's, you know, it's a Universal Pictures Hollywood-produced movie. Like, yeah, based, you know, compared to a PG-13, sure, there's a lot more stuff going on, but it's never going to have, like, an edge to it, in, in, which yeah. is really weird given that they're in, you know, the Red Room, which is full of sex, toys, yeah, and Yeah, I honestly feel like that's that's probably what it is, is that it's, they're, they have to expose a general audience to all of these BDSM concepts, and if they, they can't really, like, go all in on it which is why they have to just kind of sanitize it a little bit make it just a bit more easy to take in like i feel like that's probably the whole explanation for it being a belt at the end of that first movie is because well if we used like anything more than that audiences would just be like completely turned off from the sexiness of it and would be more so into the oh this is actually pretty messed up side of it because mm -hmm. the general audience isn't going to be able to handle half of the stuff that is in the Red Room period. Yeah. I'm surprised. I'm honestly surprised with the Red Room that they did the whole, like, the crankshaft and the shackles <laughs> holding up to the roof. That felt well, way too extreme for a general audience for well, me. But... I always joke that if you're going to be into all this BDSM stuff, like, you need to be also into DIY because there's a lot of construction oh, yeah. of putting these things, you know, sex swings and all. Oh, like yeah. That. You know how you use, use a drill is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, so yeah i again i'd recommend secretary no admittedly secretary doesn't really have much in the way of like a apparatus because it's more just the relationship and the attitude to each other mm -hmm. as opposed to you know let's whip out the flogger let's whip out the you know so, right. so uh but like again that is a movie that not all the scenes some scenes are not meant to feel sexy they're meant to feel uncomfortable but there's some scenes mm -hmm. that do legitimately feel like you can get why one or both of them are very aroused in this scene. They, they, they're filmed a certain way. The direction right. portrays the sexiness. And, like, I mean, you know, obviously it's very subjective, I suppose, in a way, you know, how that functions. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's not like porn is necessarily shot in a way to enhance it. It's just, like, you point in the camera and the dirty stuff happens and, you know it'll work or it won't depending on your taste <laughs> and that's yeah. fine um, and i mean that was back in the uh first movie with that different director screenwriter combo it there was that montage sex scene that i think mm. was set to uh your love make me so crazy right now cover and it really like it had some real artistry to it there were a whole bunch of fast cuts and it was a whole bunch of like just it made you feel the passionate of the scene like it made you understand that this is just a wild ride she's on and i feel like in the later two movies, you never got that. Like, they yeah. had, like, three to four shots, maybe, and, it, and then in my cuts, they cut away. In yours, yeah. they probably kept going for an extra 20 seconds. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like, even that first approach is is a little subjective in the sense that I, I do think making it too glossy kind of takes away from the actual sexiness anyway. It kind of, mm -hmm. like, just turns it into, like, a, oh, this is the glossy magazine version of the thing right. as opposed to like feeling real or feeling actually intimate uh what's a good example like uh chalmuk parks the handmaiden has has a couple of scenes where because it's about this, this these two women who are falling in love and it's kind of this forbidden relationship and mm -hmm. there's a scene in that where 
it's getting kind of raunchy. I think there's is, is there toe sucking. I can't remember exactly what it was. It's been a while since I watched it now, but it's a really great film. Um, but mm-hmm. I remember like feeling that, like w- watching that scene and feeling how romantic and sexy it was without it ever feeling perverted that I was watching it, which is a really right. interesting balance to strike. Like been able to like you know do that and make it feel genuine, intimate, erotic, but not like I am perverse for witnessing it and. It felt like two characters who were really discovering something with each other, and it felt kind of beautiful. And here, and, and maybe it, maybe a lot of it does come back again to not caring about the relationship because it's poorly written, not caring about the relationship because they have no chemistry, not caring about the relationship for you know a number of reasons that we've kind of pointed on. Maybe it all just comes back to that. But like every mm-hmm. single time, like they are doing kinky shit, it always just kind of feels awkward and stilted, and like if. I think there's a couple of moments towards the end of the third movie where it feels like she's kind of into it. You know, the ending of the... I mean, the, the final oh, yeah. shot of the third movie is her in, like, a corset. So I've been like, I'm ready to play now, Mr. Grey. Come and yeah, spank me. Yeah, she's the one who sets up the room and tells him to go in there. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, if anything, it's kind of... I mean, I have not seen all of Grease, but I've, I've, I've always, like, critiqued Grease from a distance because the message of Grease seems to be, oh, no, by the end of the movie, the, the female lead becomes what the guy wants and that's the happy ending and is that that seems problematic to me i was gonna make that comparison earlier but i actually have like a different reading of greece than i've heard your thing before like, I mean, i've not, I seen, I've not seen the whole thing so i like I take it that's with a fine. grain of salt like I, that's I, entirely fine but my yeah. reading of greece has always been and it's the same sort of thing in this movie where the entire movie pretty much once danny and sandy end up meeting up um danny almost immediately tries to become the kind of guy that Sandy wants, Mm. which is just like a sports star does whatever. And he like really makes some effort, but it is just not coming naturally for him. It's not something that he's easily able to do, but he does really, really try. And it's only by the end of the movie that Sandy finally gives an inch in the other direction as well, where she's willing to meet him halfway and like become... Easier to do that. That's that sounds, the way I've always read it. That sounds healthier because I, I mean, I, I yeah. had no, I had no idea he was spending most of the movie trying to be what she wants. So I mean, yeah, he was. He spent the whole thing trying out for like different sports and trying to be not the greaser engine head for the entire time. So yeah, that, I mean, that's the so, way I've so, always seen so, it. So so it's less about her just becoming exactly what he wants and more just finally admitting that what you are is okay and I can accept that and get into it a little bit as well. That's, uh, that's the yeah, way uh, I've always read it. There's, is, of course, that, it's a movie. You can that, read it, however. Yeah. It's definitely healthier, <laughs> that <laughs> interpretation. Like, I, but that's also what I feel like is in this movie, is that the entirety of, once she breaks up with him at the end of that thing, it's basically like, no, I'm not going to do anything that you want. I'm not going to be that like submissive whatever. And then over the course of the movie... She understands more about him, sees that he is putting in the effort trying to do this. Occasionally he falters, of course, but by the end, she comes to it and be like, you know what? I fell in love with you for you, so I maybe I can give an inch on the other side as well. And I'm, I'm, I think that's a fine I, way to handle it. It's just that the rest of the movie doesn't lead to that narrative. The yeah, rest well, of the movie I, is just... Yeah, there's a few muddy things with that as far as like saying it applies to this. One... Mm-hmm is that he is so controlling and demanding to start with that yes. it doesn't feel like he deserves for her to give him an inch because he is so headstrong in one direction yeah. to begin I'm with. Basically, if we just yeah. ignore the whole first movie and just pick yeah. up where they got back together in the second, because the first movie is just and, Red Flag Central where we should never have gotten to the second movie. And secondly, like I think the reason that, that doesn't work for me in the context of this movie is that hmm. 
to be honest, the entire time in the first movie, the second movie, and in the third movie, is that she's still into a lot of the things. You know, yeah. she's, she's still very willing. She's still up. You know, she still she still gets into the talk where she's like, "Oh, I need to be punished, Mister Gray." Like, you know, when he when he gets mad about something, he's like, "Oh," so he's like, "Did you just roll your eyes at me?" Maybe I did. What are you going to yeah. do about it? Like, she's kind of playing along and is into a lot of it anyway. So the ending mm. where she's like, oh, she's okay, she's put on a corset, so she looks more the part. She looks more like she's into this sex stuff. She's still just kind of been into what she's comfortable with the entire time. I don't, I don't right. really feel like she's been resisting it up until that point. No, no, definitely not. It's, it's, not, so, a, it's not a one-to-one metaphor for sure, but it's... I'm basically if we just ignore the whole first movie as a whole because if you if you bring that into account they should never have gotten together at all. No, no, no. no. Um, so yes. Uh, so do I, we need to talk about the third movie or can we just go straight to the hostage situation? Hey, well, well we haven't talked about the helicopter yet. <laughs> oh, I forgot about the helicopter because it's so inconsequential yeah. to everything. So yeah, t- like three quarters into the second movie, he's in a helicopter with his assistant and they're oh, flying wow. past a volcano. Uh, <laughs> it's just a mountain, but okay. Yeah. Well, but they say volcano because she says it's been oh, Okay, yeah. I missed that bit. Yeah, because because she says uh, maybe this is an unrated cut extra. Maybe maybe you didn't no. get this line, but she she says, "Wait, that's an active volcano there. Like, what if it goes?" And she's like, "Well, you have a front row seat then, won't you?" Like, so I remember that. But I guess anyway. the NPAA didn't like an active volcano line in this sex movie. <laughs> so yeah, but then just after after they have this little moment. You just hear it, bleep, 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 like, and it's like, oh, the chopper's going down. It's like, oh, like, brace yourself. And then mm-hmm. we cut to everyone else, and Anastasia's with her friend. They find out that his helicopter went down, and we get, like, a couple minutes of, like, the entire family and her at his place talking to security. We hear in the news the search parties looking out for him because he's missing somewhere in the wilderness. And then a minute later, he just walks in from the elevator. No, 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 no. See, you skipped a bit there. You skipped a second. Because this is what really soured the whole scene for me, (laughs) is that in the half second before he walks through the door, they make sure to have the TV say, oh, it turns out they've been found and they're totally safe. And then he walks through the door. (laughs) True, yes. And I'm like, you just just cock-blocked your own surprise reveal. How how do you manage that? All you had to do was have them just... Cut out that one half second. They look over to the door and hey, there's Christian. And then, okay, fine. The TV can say it, whatever. But like at that point, why would you have it literally a half second before the reveal? That's like if you got a friend who's getting a surprise party and as your hand is on the doorknob, you say, by the way, you have a surprise party. And then you open the door. I don't know why. That really got to me, though, when I saw that. I was like, why did they even bother doing the whole oh christian you're alive yeah the tv just said so i think my problem is just how easily he walks back in as if it's not a big deal oh yeah no he should be in the hospital two thousand percent i mean this entire segment right baffles me and obviously i felt it a little bit with the other plots but i don't think anything feels more random in the second movie than He's in it because I'm thinking, okay, they're in the helicopter. It's just going to be about the conversation. It's an expensive conversation shoot for some, you mm-hmm. know, for what might be like a bit of dialogue we need, but fine. Um, they're in the helicopter, they're talking, and then we start getting the warning lights, and mm-hmm. the, you know, we see the black smoke, and it's like, okay, they're going to go down. And I'm like, what is this? Why? Because yeah. at this point as well, it's a two hour movie, and I know that there's like maybe 20 minutes at most left. 
mm-hmm. why is this now a plot beat this year? Now, they do actually retroactively add something to it in the third movie when yes. they say it was sabotage and it wasn't an accident, but... <laughs> I mean, but that's the same thing they did with the the crazy girl, with Layla, is that mm. they explicitly say that while they were down at that trip in Georgia with um, the mother, that Layla showed up at the apartment and slit her wrist in front of the maid. <laughs> but they never like, mentioned that in the first they movie. They never mentioned it when they came back. That's, that has nothing to do with anything else. Oh, Jesus. Um, so yeah, we, had to, we had to mention that. I mean, the end of the movie's Christian... After Anna yells at mrs robinson christian decides to take her to a little nook and cranny and proposes mm-hmm. to her and we end with fireworks after she said yes, yes. and evil jack hyde is watching from a distance brooding because he's going to do something yep. bad burn burning a cigarette through a picture of christian <laughs> just in case you were unsure of his motives I'll be honest, I was shocked the third movie started with them just finishing the wedding. I thought there was yep. going to be build-up. I, I thought, like, picking the wedding dress. No. Nope. Like, I thought there would be and drama at the wedding. Honestly, I, I still have the timeline open here, and looking at it, it says here that, like, they they basically open up on that for the most part. It says narration begins, uh, there's a camera, there's a nightmare, and then, yeah. In fact, you know what? I've... I'm pretty sure that the honey, the entire wedding was told in flashback. They don't even open up there. They open up at the arson scene in the book. The arson scene? The one where uh, Jack Hyde sets fire to the server room or whatever. Oh, the very right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. There's the, so it, it, it cuts... Like, when they're at their wedding, it intercuts to scenes of... It turns out to be Jack, but it's like, you know, it's like a masked individual with gloves on. Like you know, with a like a key card breaking into a server room somewhere, and I'm like, why? Why is there like a spy movie like all of a sudden intersecting with this? What's going on? <laughs> Gray Christian Gray. <laughs> oh dear, yeah. So, plots in the third movie. Yeah, hmm. I mean, there's really it's honestly a couple of smaller ones but for the most part it's just two big ones i feel like mm, yes maybe three how you want to swing it i mean i guess we'll, we'll mention that uh so the the woman that the best friend is concerned that the brother character mm. might be cheating on her with <laughs> yes um is an architect and mm. christian has bought a house for Anastasia in the mm. wilderness that's uh, next to a river, which they, I think they flew past or sailed past in a previous movie. Imagine. Yeah, they sailed past and they're like, wow, that's a beautiful house. And he's like, okay, all right. Mental note on that one. Yes. Uh, I bought the airline. Um, so <laughs> Seems like a good idea at the time. So so this woman shows up and there's a couple of lines, I don't know if it's before this scene or after this scene, uh, mm-hmm. where when this woman's brought up by the best friend, they talk about mm-hmm. her, her big boobies, right? They're, 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 <laughs> They say she's got huge plans yes, for the house. I thought, I thought it'd be funnier just to say boobies, uh, but yes, fair enough. Yes, but that, they're talking about her massive uh, tightable jangles, um, which. <laughs> um, but like, they're, they're sort of like complain about her and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But we're at this in, and so this is the weird thing. Christian has bought her this house, yes. and has hired this architect, and the architect immediately talks about ripping the whole thing down to rebuild a brand new house. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Christian, when you borrow this house as a gift to say this is where we can live now, 
did you not think that she would like the house because this is the house it is and not because the plot of land that it's <laughs> boy you know it's like when you only date for two months before you get married it's <laughs> like you don't even know the person it's weird but, so here's some agency from anastasia if you want so they give us a yeah. scene here where when they're all talking to each other this woman uh you know and i, I love that it's like a hot blonde because i think that's mm -hmm. kind of intentional because anastasia is not a blonde right they're, they're going for the opposite here right uh and this woman is touching christian on the shoulder she's laughing at him or his jokes mm -hmm. uh she's she's being really flirty in front of her and when christian walks out the room to go take a phone call or something anastasia mm -hmm. leans in she puts her she puts her hand with the ring on the table so she can see it. it's like I'm making putting this out there and she's like take your eyes off my husband or we'll find a different architect you bitch <laughs> right i mean it I was mean, longer than much, that yeah. but that was the, the gist of the conversation and it was her like saying yeah like i am mrs gray and you will take your eyes off my husband and mm -hmm. you will not act like this and she sort of like tries to like feign anger and she's like i don't know what you're talking and it's when christian comes back out and asks if there's a you know just before he gets close enough she just sort of mouths mm -hmm. very quickly it won't happen again, Mrs. Gray. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, that's that's the one moment in that scene I love is that she's like, "Look, Anna, I didn't mean." She's like, "You can call me Mrs. Gray." Yes, uh, just doubling down on the whole. And honestly, that's the first part, and I'll talk about it as we get more into it. But that's the first part of. I think this is Anna's best movie in terms of actually doing stuff. Like, she's finally become a character in this movie. Like, I know what she wants here. Yeah, she gets to resolve things, so naturally there's just a bit more for her to mm -hmm. do with. And even just the sense that, like, that's very seen, actually, before it, when they're going the way to the house, she's like, oh, can I drive? And he's like, oh, you're not driving this car, because it's like a fancy mm -hmm. sports car. And when they're leaving, which, first of all, this was weird. Christian clearly understood everything that happened, even though he wasn't in the room. Um, oh, yeah. And he's like, if you can handle her, you can handle this car. And I'm like, that is a shitty like who wrote that line <laughs> you are a hack you're a that goddamn e hack that was el james or her husband right so first of all that's a problem but the idea that he's letting her drive it's like okay they're married now so he's like opening up more of the stuff to her like okay now mm -hmm. he accepts that she can do this although very different subject we're on the beach and it's like a beach where a lot you know they're in paris a lot of people are topless and mm -hmm. she's like, ah, I'm just going to go topless. And he's like, no, no, no. You're not going to topless. No one's looking at you. No one's staring mm -hmm. at you, right? And he comes back from being away, and she's actually just went topless in his absence. And he's like, what the hell are you doing? He throws a towel on her. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I must have turned around while I was asleep. <laughs> and I mean, no, continue. I, I was just going to say, you know, this is more of him being possessive and controlling and jealous and, you know, everything yeah. he's been since the first movie. I mean, for that one scene, I can understand more because he does justify it as, like, yeah, he's, he's the a... kind of guy who's in, like, tabloids and who's yeah, in, like, yeah. you know, all the People magazine or whatever. And if any photographer manages to capture the new Mrs. Gray topless on a beach, they're going to sell that to those no, tabloids. I, I, and he I, already I, says that. I will concur that he has a better reason for this. Mm -hmm than he typically i mean i still buy that he's just jealous to be honest and that's just oh yeah definitely that's that's a convenient reason but i will give mm -hmm. you that the reason is at least understandable because it's yes. a better reason that he's give, give yeah better reason reason he gives than any other reason he gives throughout the rest of this movie or trilogy no the the rest of the, move, the movies i at least 
am willing to like ignore most of his stuff because he doesn't really ever give reasons. He just sure, does okay. things and he's just like, it's, it's who I am, Anna. So, so you're, touch say, me. you're saying that they've advanced to the point where he's willing to at least give a reason for things in the relationship. Yeah. He's uh, willing to justify why he's such an awful person. Yes, no awful husband. Yes. Oh, he's, he, she snagged him. That's yeah. fantastic. No, well, that's the thing. It's, like, it's a couple of scenes later when they're having dinner and she cracks the pregnancy joke and mm-hmm. he's like, oh, wait, do you, do you want to have kids? He's like, well, someday, but, you know, I, you know, what, you know give you everything first. I want to live yeah. a, a married couple life first. And um, she keeps sort of pushing and he's kind of like acting weird about it. And it's like, you know, that does feel like something you should have talked about first. And this is the thing. As soon as this conversation comes up, I roll my eyes and go, well, I guess I know what's happening by the end of this movie then. I was on pins and needles. I had no idea. It was the biggest shock of the century. She gets a call from her doctor at one point, and she's like, mm. you've been missing appointments, uh, Anna. And I'm like, oh, God, she's already pregnant. Like, we're already doing oh, of course. this. Like, <laughs> of the, the, course. You know, I, I, it, it, it's so telegraphed and just and you know she tells him she's pregnant and again getting back to all those red flags we talked about (laughs) before his reaction to this is anger uh he's mad that she forgot to take her birth control uh he gets angry and says i wanted to give you the world not shits and diapers and you know vomit and Mm -hmm. i'm like his reaction to this is like as close i won't say the worst case scenario when like women re- like are worried about the reaction of like telling the boyfriend about an accidental pregnancy because mm-hmm. i'm sure some can be violent or some can you know there's, there's definitely worse but this is pretty on the far end of like v- at least verbally right. what a reaction would be of like being worried if they're going to be happy sad upset scared whatever you know how angry sad scared are they going to be right this is like he gets angrier than we've seen him <laughs> at oh, anything. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, this is this is just going beyond the fourth wall for a second here. This is the point, roughly, where mm-hmm. they found out that they got the publication deal, that they were going to be putting this all into a book series and need to be compiled or whatever. So I feel like this is the point, introducing the pregnancy, because I feel like that's like the long game of where mm. the story was always going to head. I feel like this is the point where they're like, okay, we got to start wrapping up loose threads here. We got to start getting this whole thing down because I'm not going to be continuing the fan fiction past the publication point. So she just wrapped up the pregnancy thing, or at least got it going because it's something that she wanted to do. And then his reaction immediately leads into the hostage situation, which then defines why he's not around or like why it's such a difficult moment or whatever and then the whole thing just wraps up at the end so this really is this fight is really just the beginning of the end of the whole story it's the beginning of what i guess you could consider the third act but it's more so just this part probably should have been really its own book instead of the stupid stuff before with like we're going to aspen so that way we can what I honest to God, I can't even remember what happened in Aspen. I, I mean, know there was the there was the proposal for the friend, but like other stuff happened. It was a long sequence. Yeah, I mean, well, he, he basically she complains because she because 
Well, because well, they know they're being stopped by Jack, right? And so she's mm-hmm. got a bodyguard throughout the movie. Um, and that that's, like, there a lot, and there's a lot of little jokes with him and, like, other people thinking he's hot and so on and so on. Um, yeah. But he, she wants to go out with her best friend, who she's had since the first movie, uh, having mm-hmm. some drinks. She's, she told Christian she'd go straight home after work because it's dangerous, and she went there instead. Yes. And Christian's pissed about this, and... The fight reveals that she's like, look, I've not seen any of my friends since we got married because it was just always me and you. And, you know, I do want to see them still. They're still part of my life, blah, blah, blah. So -hmm. he surprises her with the trip. But then when she gets on the plane, it's like, oh, no, all your friends are coming. This is a a friends and family trip because his his brother's coming as well and his sister. uh, And obviously... And Jose. (laughs) And Jose. (laughs) Poor Jose. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like Jose's got a shot with Christian's sister because there's the one, one other single person on the plane. Yeah. Although I did notice while they were hiking, she mm. did have her hands on Jose's shoulder. Okay. Jose okay. wasn't reacting, but you think you think that's your the subtlest the subtlest hints that there's something going on. <laughs> no, I I think they revel too much in Jose's pain to ever give him yes, true happiness. That's probably true. Um. So that that happens and. Yeah, while they're there, like, basically, Anna sees Christian's brother with the blonde across the street. Mm-hmm. And they're not kissing, but they're, they're I mean, actually kisses him on her cheek, maybe, but not like, they're not making out right. or in. Uh, but there's a lot of touching of the arms, there's a hug, and it's like, oh, is this something suspicious or not? And she intentionally distracts her friend so she won't see it across the street whilst they're trying on, I think, dresses, I think. Yeah. Um, but then it turns out that he's just been planning to propose, which he does at the club later. And then later that same night, or earlier that same night, I can't remember which way it is. This is in the unrated cut. Uh, someone bumps into one of the girls and mm-hmm. like is mildly threat. I can't even remember what starts it. But Christian fights the guy and punches him a couple of times. And that's basically it. There's, oh, there's a joke as well. See when they're at the big house they're staying at in Aspen? Mm-hmm. where christian starts playing the piano and starts singing and yeah and anna is like enjoying it and then christian's brother and sister walk up and they're just looking in like awe. and she turns and goes wait what what's so shocking he's like have you never seen him play the piano before it's like we've never heard him sing before and he's like singing and he, it's, it's like he's been singing his whole life like he's he's, 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 oh, yeah, he, he's perfectly on pitch because he's mr perfect who could do anything yes he sets his mind to uh so it's this idea that she, she's improving him because it, there's, there's these sweet things coming out about him to everyone else that they've never mm-hmm. seen. So she is actively making him a better person. You know, yeah. the fantasy. You know, to go back to it again. Okay. Um, so that's what happened at Aspen. I don't remember okay. anything else. You say so. <laughs> I don't remember I'll anything. take your word on it. But then again, it just feels like we get back from Aspen and then none of it mattered. We don't bring no. up any of those plots, any of the things. Like, we never see the friend and the brother ever again. No, we don't, I don't think. Maybe... No, I don't think no, they never. They ne- nothing that ha- we never see any of her friends again. To no, be we, honest, I don't we, think there's a single one. We see his sister again because she's the hostage. Oh no, the sister. Yes, the family. <laughs> yes, but even then, like you could have put anyone in that chair. You could have put the mom. You could have put the anyone in that chair. And it would have been like, oh my god. No, I'm thinking about it. It's should put Jose in the chair. It's kind of weird that we don't even see the brother again to react because it was also his sister that got kidnapped. Like, so yeah. he he should be caring about this. Uh, so there's a couple of scenes throughout because the big main plot really is the Jack stuff which yes. is him coming after them and he actually gets arrested halfway through the movie because he's in the 
the house. You say halfway, I feel like that was like a third. It, maybe it was third. pretty early on. He, he's, he's in the place. I think it's when she goes back from the bar with, uh, with a yes, friend. Yes, it is. That is it. And he's already there, but the two security guards take him down. It's not a huge deal, necessarily. Uh, mm-hmm. But he gets out in bail, which Anna goes to like see this happen. So he, he stares at her in the way. Well, see, the, all right, the, the but here's the here's the here's the tilt on that. Yes, the bail scene was immediately before the scene where they reveal that she's pregnant, and I mean like immediately before. I genuinely think, and I'm just speculating here, that Jack was just gone. Like he was arrested. He was completely gone. He was not a problem to the main characters at all after that point. But then they were like, oh, we have to wrap this up now. Like, I'm getting a publishing deal. So I need to get a main antagonist going for this last little hurrah. The only one I've established is currently in jail. So how can I get him out right now? I feel like that's the only reason they had that whole subplot of him being out on bail. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so he gets out on bail. He actually makes, like, at least... Does he make a threatening phone call before he calls her with the, the hostage thing? Uh, no. no the hostage no. thing is the first time. Okay. Well, he, he, so, yeah, he, he calls her. And at this point, you know, Christian has gotten drunk with his ex-mistress mm-hmm. after the pregnancy reveal. He comes back. They've had a huge fight because... Yeah. Anastasia feels betrayed because he went and confided in her, so that's, like, cheating on her. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't necessarily disagree with. Like I see your point there, but like, oh yeah. Um, but they have this big fight, so they're in a really rocky place, and that's when around here she gets the call. Oh, I've kidnapped Christian's sister, <laughs> and we actually cut to a shot of her in a chair with like her with gagged and like rope around her arms. And do you know what? I like a better writer and and director would mm-hmm. have actually done something here to point out the irony that the first time. We met Christian. Not well, not this first scene, but the second scene was in the hardware store. He was buying like tape and rope. Yeah, you could have done some sort of weird like bookending like irony with this. I mean, not to not to jump the gun on this, but they kind of did in that like last scene where they found out more information about Jack Hyde's past. In that Jack was in the same foster home or mm. system or whatever as oh, which I, yeah, which, yeah, the, the coincidence that he was actually in the same like they, they were connected at some point in their right. past was laughable to me but oh yeah no definitely that's that's yeah. just like rec- reconning the batman origin where it's just like oh yeah and it turns out there were like 800 people in that alley that all were yeah. connected to this somehow <laughs> but um no it's it's the one comedy made where he's like like if i wasn't adopted by my parents would i have ended up the same way jack was and i feel like that's the moment of introspection that should have gone with the irony of the reveal there but mm. they delayed it too much in that case yeah i mean i, I don't know what you do i don't know if like like because the thing see when they eventually arrive at the like at the scene of the crime right and mm-hmm. uh you know p- poor, poor christian's sister because christian gets out of the car and goes hey bodyguard go deal with my sister i'm going to sit check my wife but don't be wrong yeah. I, it makes sense that you would want to check his wife first but oh, yeah. i can also just imagine the sister sitting there going like i'm the one toyed up i'm the one gagged i'm the one who was kidnapped <laughs> yeah but she's on the ground true yes that's the key also can we just but, talk about uh, for a second uh, here? Uh, uh, let me make this point because okay, I'll, yeah. I'll forget it i'll forget it if i yeah, don't you're fine go what ahead. they should have done is that mm-hmm. christian should have been the one to go over to untire and ha- give him a moment when he goes to undo the rope and like, take the gag out like have him just sort of realize what he's doing like have him yeah. like sort of acknowledge that he's taken off rope he's t- this is his sister mm-hmm. who is tied and gagged and this is what he does to people with consent mm-hmm. but this is essentially what he does to people for fun for pleasure yeah. 
I, I feel like that joke was played slightly differently, but it was in the beginning of the movie when Jack was first apprehended. They they were like, oh, we got to restrain him. And he's, he's like, I don't have anything oh, to restrain yeah. him with. And she's like, we do. I mean, <laughs> yes. we can find something. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we have plenty of restraining items. <laughs> yeah. She's like, yeah, we have like a, a collection of handcuffs. Which, yeah. which pair would you like to use? Would you like the furry ones? Um, God, I, so, I I really wanted them. I don't know if they actually showed. I don't think they did show Jack and how he was escorted out. But I really hoped it was like pink rope or something like mm, that. That would that would be very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this whole hostage thing is just like all of a sudden, uh, she's t- Anna's told not to tell Christian or the police, uh, and to collect five million dollars and then deliver it to to him. And so we get this sequence. Like, it's out of a different movie where she's going to a bank to withdraw $5 million and she's like, and it's her own money because you know, they're married now. She has the right yeah. to take out Joint this money. Account. Although the bank manager calls and checks her husband, which felt like really sexist to me. Yeah. I mean, I can understand that like you can, you can make the argument that if it's a joint account and both people are jointly on it, if oh, that oh, big of a sum is taken out, oh, sure. everyone has to be on board. But it does come across more as no, it's it's we have to consult the husband to make yes. sure that this is okay. Like, uh, yeah, like if, if yeah, if there was just a line that said like no, if it's over like say a hundred grand, like we have to mm-hmm. like confirm with the other party. It's just it's just the standard protocol or so. If they said something like that, but it really played like you're his new wife and it feels like you're being really dodgy right now asking for this in cash which is suspicious yeah. don't get me wrong like walking in oh, saying no. I want yeah. 5 million in cash is a bit suspicious mm-hmm. but it kind of feels like she's doing a runner and Christian does when he talks to her on the phone he's like are you leaving me are you, are you running away yeah um, and that's my one problem with this whole thing is I know throughout the entire thing Jack seems a bit like omniscient like he seems to know everything that's going on but I feel like in a private phone call in a bank where you're talking to Christian, she should have been able to say, hey, Jack's got your sister. I'm taking this money to him. Yeah, like, for some reason, she thinks that even this has been monitored somehow. Right. Which... And that's the point where I'm like, okay, don't call the police, fine, whatever. I can accept that in any movie. Like, you just need a reason to be personally involved in the situation. But it takes a lot for me that, despite the fact that this... Like, if it was, I don't know, Jose or, like, her best friend, (laughs) fine, whatever. I can accept that. But it's his sister. He has a very large stake in this. Yeah. And he should be informed. And this is the thing where she she just kind of goes quiet after a bit with the questions mm-hmm. and doesn't respond to him. And he just kind of gets that something's wrong. She's in trouble. So he tells the bank manager, give her whatever she wants, whatever she needs. And then he like, calls the bodyguard. He calls whoever and says, look, she's in trouble. Like, we need to do something, blah, blah, blah. Um, right. And they're on their way to hell sort of thing. Which... Don't get me wrong. Like, okay, you're establishing that he knows her well enough, at least, that he is reading the situation correctly and is understanding that she's doing this in some way under duress, right? There's something fishy about this, but it's yes. not because she's just being, you know, this money grabbing, oh, I, I now I can run away with your money kind of thing. Like, that's, that's not what's happening right now. No, of course not. So, fair enough, right? Like, that's something, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> so, we then get, you know, the sequence where... Uh, she gets into a car with the woman who works at the publishing place who were like, is she like an ally of Jack? It turns out later she's been blackmailed because when he assaulted her, he filmed it and is using that footage as blackmail uh, material. Yeah. Um, 
And apparently he's done this to all of his assistants, which means that not only was she going to get assaulted, he was going to have blackmail material on oh, yeah. Anastasia as well. So it just is it's retroactively making that even, you know, slimier, I suppose. Oh, yeah, no, he's the worst. Um, actually, which reminds me of a scene that I, we do have to mention that I've, got, I've forgotten to talk about. Is mm. Earlier on, I mentioned Anna was driving the fancy sports car. Something happens while while she's doing that that I think yeah. is worth mentioning. So they're being tailed by a vehicle, uh, and Christian says, "Lose them." So we get a car chase. Anastasia Steele, well, sorry, Anastasia Gray now yeah, is yeah. in a car chase sequence where she's like trying to duck and dive between traffic, and I, I just it's just it's you know this the absurdity of the moment of like, what is this scene? What what is this movie all of a sudden like? I guess the way I would describe this is that it's supposed to be this romantic drama, maybe maybe erotic romantic drama, even more of a particularly. Yeah. And it's supposed to be full of these tense little sexual moments. It's meant to be full of this character drama stuff, maybe the the psyche being explored and all that. But there's all these just individual plot lines and segments that are shoehorned into the sequels, especially that feel like oh now we're uh you know someone might be dead from a helicopter crash oh now we've got an antagonist and there's car chases oh now there's a there's a hostage situation yeah i think i feel like this is an adaptational issue where because it was based off twilight twilight had this inherent fantastical element to it so you can understand like okay there's this long-running war between vampires and werewolves and of course it escalates at a certain point and you're just because you're a part of this world, you are subject to this fantastical fight scene. This movie is set in reality, so you can't really have those fantastical things just come along normally. So yeah, they have it's just a normal life for 90% of it, and then they're like, oh, but at this point in Twilight, there was a super cool war going on. I guess I'll crash a helicopter. Yeah, and there's also that thing, because obviously Jack kind of becomes the replacement for this in the second movie at a certain point. But in mm-hmm. Twilight, like immediately because Edward likes Bella, all of a sudden there's a lot of evil vampires that want to kill her. So right. there is a legitimate danger to her, like the entire time. And and Fifty Shades of Grey, like Christian is just naturally protective and scared that something will happen to her, even when there's no threat yet. Right. Exactly. And eventually there is some threats because there's you know this ex girl. There's obviously Jack's the main one for a lot of it, but. Mm-hmm. It takes a while to get there. So there was a portion of that first movie in particular where he is very protective and worried that something will happen to her when there's very little reason to think or suggest that there would be anyone gunning for yeah, her. Exactly. It's it's the so, issue. And it, even the characters that are meant to be the antagonists, I mean, I think that having Elena, the Mrs. Robinson character, being an antagonist in whatever limited way she was, was acceptable. It's someone from mm-hmm. the past. It's someone who's still been around. There's reason to not like her. I think that's fine. But then you have a girl who went through like severe trauma and is still in love with Grey and is willing to kill over it. And then you have a jilted fiction editor for a publishing house that literally set fire to a server room and crashed a helicopter. Like yeah, at he, a certain point, these aren't people anymore. No, he's these a supervillain. He's a very exactly. He's a very incompetent supervillain because oh like, yeah, he, no, he's the worst. He, he immediately fails everything once it gets to a certain point. Like, and honestly, can we just look at his plans here? His first plan was crash the helicopter. Mm-hmm. His second plan was set fire to the server rooms. Both things he pretty much completely got away with. 
His third plan was break into the apartment, wait for the person who has known security guards, and then just try to walk through the front door. All in all, not a good sequence of plans there. Yes. And then... What, what does he think is going to happen that he's going to get away with? Because clearly, when, when Anna shows up with the money, uh, mm-hmm. and she has a little switcheroo with her phone so that they can still track her, and that's how they know where she is. But, right. uh, you know, it's very clear that he had no intention of just walking away with the money. He was going to kidnap, possibly kill uh, whatever to Anna, right? Out of revenge, out of some sexual yeah. desire, whatever it may be. He, I think uh, his last line in the movie is that he doesn't care about the money. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, because the other woman's like, you said you wouldn't kill her. She's like, she's not dead. Yet. Not yet. <laughs> so it's like, so how did you think you were going to get away with this? You have a motive. You've already been arrested for, like, breaking mm-hmm. into their home and, like, coming after her. And, and there's actually, there's a point in the middle where, like, he's apparently trying to say that they were having an affair. And yeah. Anna's lying about everything. And she decided to, like, change her story to make him look bad. And, you know, it's, it's the typical, like, you know asshole yeah thing right of like they're just lying and saying oh she was leading me on so and so on yeah and like you could have almost like that this was almost an interesting place to maybe do something and have a conversation about that like having maybe christian react more to the idea that not that he wouldn't believe her because he he knows the truth and, and whatnot but mm-hmm. just the idea that christian would have to deal with the fact that she has been victimized like this and his money can't necessarily deal with the problem because that's the other thing I, th- I think I have an issue with in this this the entire series, is mm. that he effectively can just throw money at every problem and it'll solve it. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing, is that in Twilight, it was Edward being a vampire, using all the vampire powers to fix it. In this, they're rich. So all the problems have to be solvable with some level of money. Yeah. Um, and so much of it is like... Because even all this, it's like, well they solve all this because he has like five bodyguards who are working with him and taking him down mm-hmm. and uh he has a direct line to the police because i think at one point when they're getting they get the information of where they are they, yeah they, they, the bodyguard just says hey dispatch did you get that and i'm like you you're on line with the police like constantly like dispatch like i can understand having a police scanner but having the ability to directly call them yes is like a whole nother and that's half the thing throughout all of the movies like, he has these private investigators following around potential submissives, doing full dossiers on them. He, he, the whole thing with um, Jack Hyde, like, it's obvious he did go to jail. Like, he did end up in jail for the sexual assault in the office. However, the first line of defense was not the police. We did not call 911 for Jack Hyde. He just sent up his bodyguards to do something. It has mm. never shown what, but it, clearly he has his own personal level of muscle that is like completely separate and somehow above police recognition here. Which again, maybe that's part of being rich. I don't know. I'm sitting I mean, yeah, living I mean, in a one-bedroom apartment. The sad part, I mean, I don't know if it's that specific, but the sad part is, yeah, like rich people have power that they maybe yeah. shouldn't have, and that might be... You know, I would love I, to see this movie, the, the third act of the third movie, just it all takes place during the Occupy Wall Street movement, and Christian has to just, like, deal. Like, I would love to see them play with that. He would just turn into John McClane, because like, this writer wants him to be perfect, so he would just oh, turn yeah, into no. a perfect action hero. That's all that would happen. He, he, would, he would immediately be the hero of the people that everybody yeah. loves. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, and, and after this, you know, it's like christian because she's been kicked 
and she shoots the bad guy in the leg. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, careful, careful, she's pregnant, and she's been rushed out of hospital for injuries, and mm-hmm. the baby survives, and he's like, I'm so sorry, Anna, I just wasn't ready to like admit that this is what I wanted, but I will, I will have this baby with you, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then the movie, you know, we said it ends with her like sort of saying, hey, get to the red room. Before mm-hmm. this happens, though, there's a moment where she's staring at something, and she has the montage that goes through <sighs> the highlights of the three movies of all the romantic moments, and it ends with her smiling and then we get the the actual final little beat and like this montage is like so ineffective because all it did was remind me how little chemistry there was in every single interaction they've ever had yeah i mean it's here's the thing for a montage like this you have to show the romantic moments you can't show the sexy moments this is a romantic montage i genuinely think they exhausted every single one of them (laughs) <laughs> and even then the last shot in the montage was the exchanging of the rings which happened at the beginning of this movie this is not a montage of the previous two this is a montage including this one as well yeah well, there's several scenes from this movie in this montage yeah exactly it's just like did you did you forget to put romance in your romantic movie guy <laughs> it's a very shallow perception of romances i think is the problem yeah you know it's, it, everything about it is very shallow so it all reads is very phony uh so if you don't have I that feel- if you don't have the writing to make it feel romantic then mm-hmm. and you don't have, and then you don't have the chemistry which is what saves a lot of other movies perhaps mm-hmm. is well you're left with nothing you're left with two characters that have been forced together because it's what the script says is supposed to happen not because they feel that they belong together not be- because anyone really would root for them to be together um I think from an outsider perspective, and I feel this way in Twilight as well, where I'm just constantly going, this is the wrong choice. This should end with you realizing you shouldn't be with this person. But mm-hmm. somehow we keep going down this path. Um, you know, it, it's... It, do you know what it is? Actually, this is, this is the perfect way, especially since it started as fan fiction, this is the perfect way to describe this, mm-hmm. right? The romance in this movie, the character relationship between Christian Grey and Anastasia Steele is the feeling I get from the writer writing this is that she's the person who ships characters in other things and is mad that they don't get together and that's the pair she wants to get together. This movie is someone writing a story around two characters they want to get together, but almost no one else mm-hmm. experiencing the fiction itself actually feels that they should be together. But this one person, because they get to ship their own characters because it's her characters... Mm-hmm. They will be together no matter what, even though it doesn't make any goddamn sense. Yeah, I mean, I I get that. I see that. I I. It's strange because that's so many movies where it is just the, the people who like clash and they don't get along and stuff like that. But then in the end, they end up together. You could put that as the same thing, but there is at least the issue that you said throughout is the lack of chemistry. Is that it is there is nothing that watching this movie we feel like these two people genuinely love each other yeah and to be fair like what you just compared it with is like there's good examples of that there's bad examples it's, it's an overdone mm-hmm. thing but yeah you know there can be craft in that it can be witty opposites do attract and it tends to not mm-hmm. be as extreme as what they are in this movie no yeah um it was a, 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 i think a point to make but also just generally speaking at least there is some craft to that and that you could at least have some fun with the, what the differences are, with how they clash. Like, when it's done well and you have characters that fight, the moment they f- kiss 
for example, where maybe mm-hmm. they're having a fight and they kiss in the middle of the fight, and that's when they realize, oh shit, this is a thing. Yeah, like it's overdone. Don't get me wrong, but there's definitely examples where it works. And then usually afterwards, you get this awkward kind of chemistry of like, well, okay, there's all that passion, and the reason why the fights had chemistry is because we have chemistry. So therefore, the right. romance, on some level, also has chemistry, and is more entertaining than say, oh, the person who was handpicked to be your love interest from the you know clearly the, the plain dude who was like there as the red herring character, if mm-hmm. you will, um, but. This is kind of this weird thing where Christian is the plain dude, but he's also the exciting opposite dude as well. And right. it doesn't really work. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 an issue of just... You, you've gotten too... You had an idea for your own original characters, but because you were basing them off these Twilight things, it was just a muddled mess of like, okay, I have to make these characters fantastical, but I also have to keep them in the real world. And I feel the way that she went about it is just It's it's, it's like I was saying earlier about like, Christian has to be protective because Edward was protective of Bella. Right. It was, she was basically handicapping herself to start with by making them twilight fanfic and in trying to keep that going because again that first movie even through two adaptations from fanfic to book and book to movie it's still just twilight for like two-thirds of it just a one-to-one so it's it's upsetting in that regard because again maybe if she had just come up with original characters and not stuck to the template she could have done something that actually did have some chemistry to it i also do think that because this i mean this book, this movie series as a whole, was made because it was just a worldwide sensation, and you know they needed it done as fast as humanly possible before it wore off. Oh yeah, because th- th- this was not going to have a long shelf life in terms of pop no. culture. I mean, even now, have, when was the last time you heard anyone mention this movie? Other than us? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> Other not, than the times I forced you to watch it. N- not a lot, certainly. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't come up that whole much. And exactly. What's so weird about it is that other than the addition of like, the the more explicit sex stuff, which mm-hmm. can only be even that explicit because it's like you know a Hollywood movie, even if it's R-rated, yeah. is that you know like the original thing she's she's fanficting. It's like that was already a fantasy wish fulfillment thing anyway that has mm-hmm. a lot of the same problems from a writing perspective. So it's really weird that you know it's not like bella and edward didn't get together in that 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 story it's not like that wasn't the result she wanted in the first place she Mm -hmm. she's just recreating the same thing just with a more spanking and flogging (laughs) i feel like that is a fanfic thing i feel like 95 percent of all fanfics that have a romantic like Mm. plot are just like 50 percent sex throughout the whole thing that that seems about right so that's just a media thing yeah and like i say the sex is so boring and i'm like i I was so sick of it so quickly and to the point where even in the first movie there's a point where i think they have sex in a pool table near towards the end yeah somewhere in there and i i just remember thinking another one like you don't have to show me right i get it (laughs) like Mm -hmm. we've established this at this point that they're that they're doing this we we don't have to show it i mean the only thing that i think that it applied to was the fact of they made a point of saying like they got pregnant because they were having sex so much mm. but even in that regard you only need to have sex once yes like that's not something where it's like oh we did it 250 times in the six weeks that we've been together 
Yeah, therefore you're pregnant. It's, the, it's not like you partially impregnate someone over the course yeah. of ten sessions. Like you know, you don't, don't get you don't get to pause the download of the file yeah. and then pick it up again <laughs> some other time. Yeah, it's, it's not like you know, like inside. It's like okay, that's thirteen uh, percent done. Come back mm-hmm. uh, later and. Uh, add some more sperm. Yeah, <laughs> like it's just another, how it works. another twelve fluid ounces, and we should be good. Yes, yeah, doesn't doesn't take an incredible amount of sperm. Just <laughs> takes one. But yeah, no. I, I, in terms of the whole trilogy, looking back on it, I, I think the first movie, artfully, like it looks the best. I think it has the best editing, the best flow. I think that it's actually managing to keep the characters like. Like we said, it's just sort of a plot beat, plot beat, plot beat, and they don't overlap that much. But I think the first movie does the best job of allowing it to overlap a bit further than it otherwise would. Um, second movie is completely trash. There's nothing I like about that movie. The most I like about it is laughing at the fact that, oh yeah, no, we're just, after all of these scenes that don't matter, a helicopter crash, sure, why not? And then when it comes to the third movie, the only reason I like that one more than the second is because, A, that third act is off the wall. There is no reason that any of that should be there, and I love it. But B, because my biggest issue, I think, is how much I disliked having to associate through Anna's eyes when she has had nothing to do. This is the first movie that's actually given her something to do. So... If I had to rate them in order, it would be first movie, third movie, second movie. But it's all very close to the bottom, regardless. Yeah, I... I don't really think about what the ordering would be for me. Like, ultimately, it doesn't matter all that no, much. Of course not. Uh, I mean, I would agree the first one is technically the best, but like, not in any way that makes me say I enjoyed anything no. or... or wanted to revisit it or it's like, like it, rating the best f- splinters you can get in your yeah, finger it, 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 it's still a very poor experience for a number of reasons um mm. you know like we talked about the lack of chemistry but then you add on the actual red flags and then the actual things where the whole time i'm going you, you shouldn't be with them this this mm. is a horrible choice outside of potentially all the money you'll get from them <laughs> but <laughs> other than that it's a terrible terrible choice um so it is, you know, it's, it's a very cynical movie to watch because you just, you can feel the, like, you know, a fantasy is a fantasy and that's fine, but because it's been presented as a movie, because it's been presented without any sort of real arc for the main character, it does kind of feel like the creators behind it are really childish in their approach to this mm-hmm. and, or, or at least very shallow in their approach to this. Maybe that's a fairer statement. Yeah. And as a result, like I, I find that first film like just a really soulless and really self indulgent experience. And then I mean the self indulgence mm-hmm. gets even worse, sadly, uh with the second two, but um Yeah. I'd probably rank them in the same order, but like honestly, like if I'm rating them out of ten, which I think we should. Okay. You know, like just just hit them in order. You know, first, second, third, like what's your out of ten? <sighs> I don't know. I mean, if we're going by baseline of like five is an average movie of just, I didn't like it, I didn't hate it, then I guess I would put the first movie at like like a four. I put the third movie closer to like a 
very low three. And then the second movie, I would put it a 1.5 to two. <laughs> somewhere in there so in order for 1.5 to 2 low 3 yeah I think for me I'm going to be a bit harsher on the first and go 3 out of 10 okay and then I think I'm going to be more consistent on the others uh, I agree the third act of the third movie is hilarious and I was cackling a lot during it mm-hmm. but the first like two thirds or so of that movie were just more the second movie and that yeah. was painfully dull. So I am going to just rate them both equally a two out of ten. So three two two is my my uh, my cross. You got to make me have the highest rating of a Fifty Shades movie. I think that makes sense. <laughs> uh, so this has been a special uh, edition movie review. <laughs> yes. Um, David pops up from time to time on the odd one-off thing. I'm sure he'll be back at some point. So, uh, yep. yes, yes. See, see Whatever I force you to watch next time. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't, maybe I'll need to like co-host for Batman or something. I have no idea. But oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah you'll, you'll, you'll say no to that. If I, I, say I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I might be busy. <laughs> I mean, I feel like Matt might want to dust off the old movie Mike for that. But I mean, I mean it is a big deal, but yeah. But uh, he may not want to, so uh, maybe you'll be called upon. Maybe, maybe the David signal will be lit in the sky. Uh, but, yes, of course, you can support everything by liking, subscribing, dinging the bell for notifications. If you've seen the Fifty Shades movies, by all means, comment below and tell us what you think. Um, I will take this time to thank the Patreon producers for the month. So thank you to Tyler Hess and the Palacios. Oh, look at that, David Short. Uh, bored now, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Treisman, and Alison M. Fordyce. Uh, you can support us over there for as little as a dollar per month and get some bonus content and keep everything coming. So go and have a look and see if you're interested. Uh, otherwise, that's pretty much it. That is the that is the show. Uh, that has been the Fifty Shades trilogy. Maybe there'll be more special editions uh, of random things in time. I don't know, but. Yeah. Hopefully stuff that's better than this and more interesting than this, but I can't deny it. If so, I'm not paying for it. Sure, that's fine. Yes. (laughs) You don't have to pay for the good stuff. (laughs) Funnily enough, the good stuff I want to watch. I'm I'm, I'm all about the good stuff. You're so spoiled over there. (laughs) I have to watch Fifty Shades 3 today (laughs) and then Alone in the Dark directed by Uwe Boll. So don't you give me shit about me being spoiled. (laughs) <laughs> thank you for joining us here male fuzz movies i have been peter that has been david and oh, the no. only thing left to really ask um i mean normally i'd end but you know hmm. if you can get it it's always good to have diplomatic community that's my usual general movie outro but uh mm-hmm. i think instead i'm just going to ask david what the fuck are you wearing <laughs> nipple clamps <laughs>